Everybody wants to know why. You know what? Because this one is about me. It's not about China or anybody else. It's about four weeks from now. It's about 28 days from now. It's about me getting what I want out of this business, and that is becoming the WWF champion. I don't need anybody else. This is about me. I don't need to be in a clique anymore. I don't need to be in DX anymore. This is about me. It's about me reaching my goal. You know, while we're at it, this goes back a long way. This goes back to the clique. This goes back to Madison Square Garden. Me walking in the ring and saying goodbye to my friends. You're damn right it's four years ago and every day it's eating a hole in my stomach. to the Attitude Era podcast, episode number 16. It's fully loaded, 1999. Hello everyone, once again, I'm Kevin Mahan, uh, joined as I am always in this review of the Attitude Era by my cohorts, comrades, and colleagues. First of all, bad news, Bibolo. I've got bad news. Uh, the, the bad news. <laughs> I have no bad news lined up for that. <laughs> well, I've got me. bad news and not follow through on that. Uh, you can't like. sprung it on me, I'm afraid, man. Bad News Barrett, of course, who has been uh, featuring very heavily uh, in our lives recently. Yeah, um, can't get enough of that. Can't uh, get enough. That well-rounded gimmick they're giving him right well now. Well-thought-out gimmick. Yeah. Looking forward to talking about Fully Loaded 1999. Yeah, I've got a lot to say about this one. Uh, just to remind everyone, I, I've only seen bits and pieces of the Attitude Era. I've seen Fully Loaded 99 before, but we're starting to get into the more familiar territory for me now. Excellent. And to my right, unquestionably, the baddest man on the planet, Mr. Billy Keeble. Hello, Billy. Hello. How's things? Pretty good. Looking forward to talking about Fully Loaded 999. Yes, I am. It's a, it's a damn sight better than last year's Fully Loaded. And just to clarify for the good people at home, Billy, before this podcast, how much of the Attitude Era had you seen? Dick all. Dick all! <laughs> <laughs> I played Attitude Era mode on uh, WWE 13. That's where it starts and ends. So basically not at all, yeah. then. Uh, <laughs> the commentary must be so much better than you what you thought it was. Like. Shamrock is the king of the ring. And that attack was, was dodged. <laughs> that no good son of a bitch. Okay, it's time to get ourselves familiarized with the concept of an end of an era. Because it's fully loaded. 1999. Either Vince McMahon leaves forever, or Stone Cold Steve Austin will never challenge for the belt ever again. Spoiler alert, neither of those things are gonna happen. <laughs> then you go far ahead. Somebody's gotta go and go for good. And I'll be wishing too that you know that I will smile and say this will be the end of an era. Remember all the nights we shared together. And I'll remember every word you said Yes, I'll be missing you When you go, oh, when you go far away Bitch, we will see your ass later The stakes are high Somebody's gonna bleed The highest they've ever been Somebody's gonna bleed This will be the end of an 
Alrighty, starting us off there. That intro package. I had to say, uh, you know, these guys. I think we had one. We had one miss a while back, which we were a little bit kind of. Uh, that wasn't so great. Maybe in backlash or something like that. Yeah. But man, they've been hitting them out of the park as of late with these Always. intro packages. Yes. This um, one was uh, very similar to St. Valentine's Day Massacre, the whole uh, Fallout 3 kind of uh, Did you notice the actual the music? Um, no. You know, the, the do, 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 that's the exact same as Valentine's Day Massacre. <laughs> so, if you're ever wondering what the uh, statute of limitations on reusing a theme is in WWF during the 1990s, about five months, five months, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, yeah, so It's a very emotional problem, all, the, all these... References to missing you. And I know. Yeah. Uh, in in some respects, I think it is a spiritual sequel to the uh, Valentine's Day, Day Massacre yeah. one. Uh, my favorite thing about this promo is that just as it ends, you know, it's like oh, the calm down. Then it's just got a massive CGI train. Oh, which, you know, baby! Which you don't see that. again for the remainder of the pay per view. The CGI train. Yeah. yeah. What's that? I'm missing you, train. All Yeah, I was. On the fence, honestly, when you uh, you mentioned that, we, we should make a joke about one crazy train, which is awesome, <laughs> or two big train, <laughs> big train rolling down the line makes me lonely. Oh man, any SmackDown versus Raw 2000? <laughs> Where am I chain gang at? Like, <laughs> okay, first thing we got to talk about in the intro package as well: the stipulation to end all stipulations. The end of an error. Not an error, an error. The end <laughs> no of an error. No more errors from this point onwards. So in the main event tonight, it is Steve Austin, who won the title back, as we mentioned, the Raw after King of the Ring, taking on the former champion, The Undertaker. First blood match. Someone's got to bleed. Austin wins. Vince is gone forever. Undertaker wins. Austin can never challenge for the belt ever again. Now, off the bat, I mean, that there's obviously quite suspect with that. Uh, yeah, those are very, very high stakes right there. Crazy. I mean, yeah. people always rag on WCW or, or whatnot for, for kind of falsely kind of saying, this is it, this is the absolute end. Yeah. Like, we're not even halfway through the Attitude Era. I hate to break it to you, but Steve Austin and Vince McMahon have a lot more dalliances. <laughs> a lot more. It's um, So it kind of it was hard for me to take this pay-per-view yeah. seriously, in, in a sense. We have, of course, the recurring motif from Undertaker as well, which we hear a lot tonight, which is, Austin, what I want is your blood. <laughs> What's happening to this guy? Seriously. He's proper off the, uh, the deep end yeah. now with the I, craziness. I mean, me and Billy have always been in agreement that we don't like the Undertaker in the Attitude Era, but yeah, he's just meandering so much now and getting even further away from what he used to be. Well, he, he didn't do he didn't put in the promo here. They've been very TVMA, if truth be told. Mm-hmm. I mean, you'll notice this in the pay-per-view. Even compared to last month, envelopes are being pushed, You know, buttons are being pressed. Mm. On Raw before this, they had all the crazy shit. We'll talk about it more later before the main event. But Undertaker at one point said, Austin... I want to drink your blood. <laughs> drink your blood. That's, that's gimmick infringement on Gangrel. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, you, you mentioned before hepatitis in wrestling, <laughs> uh, and uh, Billy Keeble continues to campaign against a serious issue. Like, it's, I mean, it's bad. It's, 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 it's too much of it. You don't want to drink the man's blood. But needless to say, it's time to kick things off. We cut things immediately to Austin being attacked on heat again. Now, continue this new tradition of of starting a pay-per-view with recaps of stuff that's happening on Heat. I like this. I think it's a good idea. You know, you consider that Heat back then got around 2 million more viewers than Raw does these days. There were a lot of eyes on Heat. And if you have, you know, something like this, which is Undertaker busting open Austin on Heat... Fuck it, I'm ordering the pay-per-view straight away, you yeah. know? This is what I wish they would use the uh, WWE app kickoff for these days, because 
that should essentially be Sunday Night Heat, you'd think, wouldn't you? Where they can set up a storyline. Mate, and... I don't know about you, but if I am on defence and I am using my, my wireless device and I see Kofi shove the Miz, uh, <laughs> congratulations to me, you've just earned $50. Because uh, I'm putting down whole cold hard cash right there. You know? <laughs> so we have uh, Vince and Shane, of course, this amazing shot after Austin's oh, jumped at them like, ah! Big, big cartoon grins. <laughs> they look like uh, Burns and Smithers, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> we cut to Austin now who's being attended to by EMTs and he's just cussing them out like oh get your piece of trash stitches out of my head they're helping you man helping. he just wants Ungrateful. a bail give him a bail be fine and then we have uh, Mickey C interviewing the McMahons oh, Mr. McMahon excuse me but after seeing your expression on Sunday Night Heat I mean I have to believe that you were behind that attack of Stone Cold Steve Austin how, how on earth can you accuse my father of something like that I mean who, who are you well I was just watching the footage and I had nothing to do with that. But I can say that I will guarantee. There goes that word again. Not only did I promise, I guarantee you, okay, that Stone Cold Steve Austin will lose the WWF Championship here tonight. I guarantee you he will never, ever, ever again be the WWF Champion. Got it? Vince very strongly states, as a matter of fact, he guarantees that Steve Austin will lose tonight and never be champion ever again. And something I think he noticed throughout the night is that Vince, if anything, I mean, we'd say the stipulation is, is stupid, but Vince is acting like the stipulation is real. For serious. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that that's admirable, that even though it is, no one at the time, with the exception of Vince Russo, was obviously thinking, we're never going to see Vince, or we're never yeah. going to see Austin mm -hmm. challenge for the belt. But Vince is treating it as such, and I think that you know gives this pay-per-view, the whole storyline throughout it, more credibility. More credibility. Yeah. And again, they keep cutting back to it throughout the night. So it really, by the time I, we get to the main event. I'm just going to say this now, actually, as well. Um, I think this is really solidified for me what it is I like about certain Attitude Era pay-per-views, not necessarily just on match quality or things like that, is the ones that have a story that starts at the beginning of the pay-per-view and it threads all the way to the mm. main event. Yeah. I love that so much and I wish yeah. it happened on more pay-per-views because it's such a good idea. And they do it on Raw. Yeah. So why would you not do that on pay-per-view as well? It's a reason to, you know... It's a reason for you to be invested and to stay invested throughout the entire pay per view and to. Mate, there'd be no time watching. for tweeting if we were doing that these days, mm -hmm. you know, we, so. We, uh, we got our first proper look of the, uh, the crowd. Oh, then yeah. see, uh, sign after sign after sign. <laughs> I, I don't think I've written as many signs, uh, for, for the podcast before than I have for Fully Loaded 99. Uh, first, I thought a sign that uh, you and I would enjoy Kevin Kelly's fan club. Hey! <laughs> so, you know, they've got their demographic in the audience. We got Pringle316. <laughs> Don't know what that means. It's a Paul Bearer sign, I imagine, isn't it? Like, yeah. We get, Hey Rock, you, me, bubble bath match. Jesus! <laughs> what? What? We get Woodstock sucks. Then that's true. No, 1989, <laughs> Woodstock was happening again, if you recall. Oh, shit, yeah, the yeah. second Woodstock. Uh, the highlight of which was, I don't know, Limp Bizkit self-emulating or something like that happened. <laughs> Jesus. You know. And then, uh, last, uh, last for now... Is uh, get the old variation on the old, old uh, Austin three sixteen horny twenty four seven horny twenty four seven brilliant. Wow, that is a saturated market right there. Signs, yeah. that's insane. There's so many more signs. Keeping themselves busy. <laughs> Before we get into the first match as well, I want to point out the stage. Funnily enough, you mentioned this. I think one of the first things we ever tweeted when we started the podcast, just like, I think it was before we even did our first episode. We were like one episode in, I think, when we shared it on Facebook and on Twitter, yeah. Which is the Vince McMahon busted open looking... <laughs> that is the stage for tonight. The set design for this is, yeah, you've got The Undertaker on the left, you've got Austin on the right, and then you've got in the middle just McMahon 
covered in blood and it's all really black and white and high contrast so it just looks scary like he's an alien or something <laughs> it's uh and that is there for the whole night yep we've seen a lot of that so our opening contest tonight in fully loaded 1989 which takes place in buffalo new york is edge the intercontinental champion what when did that happen taking on double j jeff jarrett who's accompanied by deborah so jeff jarrett had won the intercontinental belt off the godfather i don't know if we mentioned previously but the plan originally had over the edge was for the Blue Blazer own heart actually beat the Godfather and win the IC belt so what ended up happening obviously after the tragedy was that uh, Jeff Jarrett won the belt mm. being you know his, his partner partner and friend and whatnot. and that was a nice moment and Edge just the night before they had a live sh- event in Toronto Edge's hometown Ken Shamrock it was meant to be there allegedly had car troubles or no showed or just wasn't there so they put Edge out there and for whatever reason Edge won the belt in front of his hometown crowd that's very neat a nice little win so you know and this is just now Jeff is the whole thing is that rematch straight away shut up that was a mistake I'm the best Intercontinental Champion yeah. ever uh, I, I just like it it's just like because the position edge is obviously you know, the younger rookie or whatever but you know he's just got one over on Jeff and Jeff is desperate to get it back now so a really nice setup for this match gives him a little bit of credibility that at this early stage in his career as well so yeah I think so a nice little uh, nod at him the Intercontinental belt was still in a place where you could throw it on someone like Edge an up and comer and it would mean a little something. Without devaluing the belt. Whereas now, if you look at the likes of, say, Biggie Langston, they've given him the belt. Doesn't really mean And much. you could argue that he would be just as successful without that belt. Mm. You know, it, it's not it's it's not uh, star-making quality Holds anymore. Holds my bearing. Yeah. It's, it's really cool to see the belt on, on edge. When Deborah comes out, Jerry Lawler quips, That's my favourite outfit yet, JR! To which JR goes, What, the Don't Piss Me Off t-shirt? <laughs> <laughs> he zings you good. Did you see the exasperation as that sentence, uh, that conversation continues? Uh, no, the puppies! It's like, yeah, I know what you were talking about. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> she does look fucking stupid. She looks ridiculous. This lime green sexy ringleader of a sex circus. It's hideous. A circus of sex clowns, I think, was where you were referring to it before, <laughs> and I don't right. think that, that analogy will ever be topped. Obviously, storyline developments, uh, the brood and Edge are on the outs. Gangrel thinking that Edge was the uh, calling him the weak link and that, you know, he was holding them back. Edge had, you know, done things like taking the Godfather's hose and, you know, just being generally a fan favourite. Mm. It's pretty obvious, given the tag match we saw last month, that both Edge and Christian have outgrown Gangrel quite quickly yeah. quite quickly yeah. and in retaliation Gangrel is trying to outgrow them by eating all the cake <laughs> <laughs> so Jeff Jarrett cuts a promo says he owns the Intercontinental Championship and Deborah's breasts yeah he says no one is going to see the puppies cause they're mine what a heel <laughs> yeah and Deborah's gimmick has really just been reduced pure and simple down to tits now that's yeah, all it is Literally, it's horrible she comes out every match she uses her breasts to distract the referee or to distract the opponent and then she'll go back again. And that's literally it. She is just tits. It's, it's terrible. horrible. It's really terrible. It it really like makes me like wince and stuff like yeah. that. Because even earlier on, like when she started with Jeff, I, there was obviously meant to be more. There was meant to be the whole thing was like, oh, are they in a relationship? Are they not? Who's really pulling the strings? They had given Deborah this kind of like you know businesswoman gimmick, and I liked that. I was like, oh, it's you know something different, giving her credibility. Mm. But now, as you said, it's just no. She is she is boobs. That yeah. is it. Horrible. Really horrible. Uh, I hate seeing like women relegated to just this because I think she's the only her and China are the only females you see tonight on the pay per view. Yeah, that is yeah. very true. And this is what you're you're basically yeah. getting. Um, shocking. Straight away, great action, amazing um, sequences of maneuvers from these guys. Mm. Both guys are just 
that style of wrestler where they can just go into this chain wrestling. Uh, it's kind of overshadowed by the puppies chance as yeah, two men are fucking putting their heart and soul into this. Uh, we get an amazing sunset flip spot as well earlier on, if you recall. Mm-hmm. And uh, at which point, Double J double leaves. Yeah. He decides to leave, take the belt with them, all that. Uh, you know, old-timey Memphis heat. And uh, the crowd get on his case by changing puppies at him. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, no! And he goes back to the ring. It's kind of silly. Uh, well, you actually just remind me that Double J is going to leave soon from the podcast. Yes. And, like, yeah. I'm starting to worry that we're not going to get another Glargay. At this point in the match, I was like thinking, we're never going to hear the Glargay sleeper hold again. And he throws Edge into the ropes. Edge comes over and, like, you know, he grabs him into it and silence. Oh. And about five times after that, Edge bounces off the ropes. And every single time as Edge is running towards him, I just go, because I, 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 I watched this with Adam. It was so fucking tense because it's like every every second move Jeff does is an Irish whip. We're like, oh, it was horrible. Yeah, horrible. So sad that we're not going to get to hear another Glar gay. But then, <laughs> at 14 minutes and 50 seconds, we have our grunt of the night. Boom. Now it's a modified Glargay. It's more of it's more of a yar than a glar, but it's still a Glargay sleeper hold nonetheless. If you want to just pop that in there, Kevin. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Glorious. That really did it for me. What a great grunt. So Double J, in, in in your mind, has basically competed all his all of his business here on the mortal realm. What? If he was Casper, he could die now. Basically, <laughs> is what you were saying. Well, I'm not done yet, to be honest. I could hear a few more Glargays, but if he has to leave soon, that's fine. Well, he's not yeah. done yet. He still has to kiss the girl at the big dance. <laughs> uh, <laughs> around this time, we got a, uh, a couple more. Uh, we got well, we got another sign. We got Stephanie Hart's testicles. Test. Hey. Ickles. Test, test, test yeah. Of course, just to catch up on that, on Raw, Shawn Michaels, before they dissolved, had given, you know, the union were allowed to, they could have whatever match they want, and what, you know, call anyone out, blah, blah, blah. Shamrock wanted, wanted Vince, you know, Big Show wanted so-and-so. But Test asked Stephanie McMahon out on a date. Aww. Much to the chagrin <laughs> of the demonic Shane McMahon. <laughs> that doesn't really get picked up on much in this pay per view. We'll talk about that more in depth, but a very interesting storyline going forward. Did you also hear what uh, Jerry said about him being an equal opportunity animal lover yes yes he loves puppies chicks to which JL says young chicks and he quietens down a bit then comes out of nowhere and just says and beavers I love beavers I was waiting for him to say pussies I really yeah <laughs> no he, honestly like, he's, a, he's a sick man well it's good to know if he didn't say it on this night which arguably is the uh, envelope pushing peak of the WWF in the Attitude Era didn't say it tonight, he'll never say it. Yeah. Which is no, good to hopefully. know, I suppose. But I mean, in fairness, like, JR's no better because he actually joins in at one point when, um, like, Jarrett's get it, working over one of Edge's arms. He's like, oh, he's uh, trying to work over the body part there. And uh, speaking of body parts, uh, D- Deborah is looking gorgeous. Oh, he just did it's not mean it. So yeah. awkward. Did like, not mean it. He was so calling her a weird. Jezebel, like, months yeah. ago. <laughs> yeah, I know, it's crazy. So we get a cool moment where Edge tweaks his knee and Double J targets it. And he starts working over the leg really vicious. And I've always liked this Double J being that kind of like, oh, spots the weakness, goes for the leg, because he does the figure four. And almost immediately thereafter, Double J starts working on the arm then. He's like, mm. why? He's like, then he starts hitting on the arm and going to all these arm moves, arm bars. Like, why leg, why arm? You know, pick one. Nonsensical. Uh, I, that, that really irked me for whatever reason. But then we get a very, very, very deep sleeper um, off the Glagay, as Adam mentioned. And, uh, you know, things quiet down for a moment. Edge escapes, and then we get into an amazing series of roll-ups and two counts. I didn't think the crowd were as into this as I was. 
the action was 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 fucking awesome here. Both men collide in the corner, and then they do the thing where uh, you know Double J falls on his back, Ed slowly falls forward, and his head hits him in the willy. The Mark oh, Merrow yeah. dick spot. The Mark Merrow <laughs> dick spot, exactly. Keeping his legacy alive. A great offense by Edge. I mean, he's coming up with such amazing moves, even on his own. He's man, you know, not in a tag match, in a singles match, he's managing to shine. And Double J gives him a lot in this. Which is nice. Uh, tornado DDT at one point by Edge. And then he just stands in the middle of the ring and goes, Dah! Channeling Ken Shamrock, yeah. He said in an interview recently that he just hated the scream. They made, they were like, yo, know, Russo's like, I swear to God, you gonna go out there, you gonna scream to people gonna think you mysterious. They made him scream? <laughs> yeah, they're like, you scream, that's your thing. That was his thing. That's Shamrock's thing. Yeah, but Shamrock would go, ah, but, you know, Edge was more of a hands in the air, like, what? You know. It was meant to be mysterious. It's so That's tacked the on. the least mysterious thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I know. Oh, he's a screamer. I wonder what his story is. Yeah, I know. I mean, screaming, if, if he didn't scream, he'd be more mysterious. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But that is Edge's MO, if you remember in his promo packages, him running down trains. Screaming. Screaming like, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> so, lights go out. Noel's house party music starts rumbling and all that. We're like, oh, here we go. Time for a, time for a bloodbath, yeah, right? we're going to get gacked. And the lights are off for a fair while, man, yeah. by the way. Lights come back on. Gangrel is just passed out. <laughs> Fucking pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> pathetic. You had one job with the lights out. And That's I, his specialty. Yeah, if he can't do... All right, imagine if he went, bong, and then the lights went off and Undertaker's like lying through a table. <laughs> <laughs> or it's ECW and the lights go out and it turns on and Sabu's just all caught up and barbed like, ah, shit, like... <laughs> killing a guy's mystique the lights going out signifies something you can't follow up on the lights going off your character is it's dead embarrassing and I really thought this was a severe burial of Gangrel yeah. I'm all for it Edge is obviously the star but if Gangrel come on you have to kill Gangrel at the same time like you have to you know push Edge while you're burying at least, Gangrel at least put a banana peel in the shot yeah. <laughs> if you're gonna do this <laughs> We get a pretty amazing closing sequence between two of these guys now. Uh, at one point, an insane Hurricanrana reversal right into a powerbomb. Oh, yeah. Fucking awesome. Then we get a spear by Edge. Deborah appears on the apron and does what she does. And uh, she gets knocked off, though. Double J, like, basically throws Edge straight into her. And she goes um, sailing off the uh, off the apron. Gangrel gets a little bit in- involved then as well. And then we get the stroke, and it's the finish. Double J wins. New champion. And I was hard to keep up. That that ending was way too overbooked for my liking. Oh, yeah. yeah. Too much going Too on. much happening. Gangrel, Double J, Edge, fucking Deborah. lights off. Deborah, Gangrel back in. Crazy. But Double J wins. He is the, the new champ. Nice to see the belt back on him. Normally, I wouldn't. I don't know. One day reign as the as the intercontinental champion. Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess it was more just for the house show home crowd, wasn't it? More than anything else. But I suppose you're right. You look at the one day reigns in history of say Kane is the obvious example. Yeah, one day reign as world champion. People yeah. are like, oh, that is shit. You only had it for a day. You are a crap champion. But Edge being the young up and comer. Win the icy belt for one day. It's like, oh shit, you know, maybe. I think it's sort of like, yeah, this won't be the last time Edge holds that belt. We yeah. can tell that he's going to get it back. I think it was pretty cool. Double J gets his belt on, starts cussing off, saying he is the best. Yeah. And then one of my favorite moments ever happens. Mr. Austin, this is only going to be temporary. It's only going to hold you for a little while. Oh, yeah, that's all I need when you get your ass out of the way. Austin, the band is up there. It doesn't look good for the rattlesnake here tonight at all. And that's just a damn shame. It's never going to be easy, but this is now almost impossible for Austin to survive here tonight. 
The glass breaks, so Jeff knows it's his ass. Double J gets double buried by Stone Cold. <laughs> Fuck me. What? This was so funny. He stuns him right out of his boots. What I love is when, when you hear the glass break, everyone everyone loses their shit. It takes Jeff Jarrett a good five seconds because he's fiddling around with his belt. Yeah. Yeah. If, if, if it was me in the ring or anyone else, like... You hear the glass. That's when you're acting. I'm out he, of here. he waited for the dun 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 dun. Yeah, dun. that when was. He up and, that was the if if Jeff had turned his head as soon as the glass broke. Well, he probably thought someone just dropped a bottle or something. But then when he heard the music, <laughs> funnily enough, not the first time that this uh, had happened. Actually, on the Raw previous to this, Austin had come out and done the exact same thing to Double J, buried the almighty fuck out of him. <laughs> Now, there, we might as well talk about this now. As we said, Double J's time is coming to a close. I mean, we only have, we're counting down the episodes that Double J will be on at left. It is interesting that there was very much a case of Steve Austin did not want to work with Double J. Mm. And this was very much a case of... That, 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 that's what the statement is being made yeah, here. Yeah, bury that motherfucker. That this man is not, he's not on his level. He will not be in a feud with him. And Russo, obviously, big fan of Jarrett. Jarrett, obviously... Big fan of Jarrett. <laughs> Both of them were pushing heavily for this run with Austin. And I mean, when Double J came back in 98 or whatever it was, he had been apparently, depending on who you believe, had been promised, yeah, you're going to have a, a run with Austin. Now, Austin didn't like Jarrett. Mm. A couple of reasons for this. Number one, when Jeff came back from WCW, he cut this you know shoot promo saying, you know, oh, no one knows how to use you, blah, blah, blah. Stone Cold, no, no, no. Stone Cold, you will always be the ringmaster. And as far as your... What is it, gentlemen? Stone Cold. As far as your blasphemous merchandise, that offends me. Austin 316 offends me. Because what you're doing is ripping off the Bible to put money in your pocket. And at one point... He turns to the camera and goes, Austin 316, I'll tell you what that is. That's blasphemous. You're taking Holy Scripture and it's blasphemous and shame on you, Steve Austin, you know. And he was doing it as a shoot. <laughs> like, oh, man. But all you can do there is he's saying that slowing down and just kind of seeing the reflection of Jeff's eyes. Like, you know, there aren't like a big mountain of money just burning yeah. into nothing. Like, uh, that is what that Jeff was doing there. Yeah. First of all, telling Austin that he's blasphemous when he's the most over guy in the company. Yeah. Fucking stupid. Telling the fans at home that the shirt that they wore, that like more people own than any other wrestling shirt ever is blasphemous it's just fucking stupid yeah. yeah now the other little story about Jeff as well and I love this one I don't know if this is I like to think Austin doesn't hold a grudge this long but Austin obviously came up through Memphis back you know in the 80s when he was learning the ropes Jeff Jarrett's father Jerry Jarrett was booking the territory young Jeff was the featured performer being the son of the uh, promoter Austin was lower on the card making ends meet and apparently one time you know they, it was payday they were looking at some checks whatever Austin was in the locker room looking at his check and Double J just struts in you know king of, king of the roost he goes <laughs> well pal it ain't gonna get bigger by looking at it <laughs> oh. Now, Motherfucker. I like to think Austin doesn't hold a grudge for like fucking 10 years. But yeah. you wouldn't blame him. But I wouldn't blame him. Yeah. And poor old Jeff here. 
buried to fuck. Here's your receipt. Here's your receipt. I loved it though. Yeah, I absolutely loved this. So completely funny. confused as to why it was happening. But yeah, enjoyed it. Out of nowhere to me. I love, I love, I love Jeff. I've, I used to hate him. Mm. I was not a fan growing up, or even in recent years. But I have to say, I've learned to appreciate him. But this was hilarious. So funny. Austin cuts a promo on Taker. Says if Austin is going to be wrestling with stitches, then Taker will be too. So again, the thread is continuing for throughout the night. Sore throat, Steve Austin. He's got a proper rough voice here, hasn't he? Oh man, they've been a lot of shouting on Raws of late. If I'm gonna have stitches in my head, <laughs> Taker. <laughs> 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 Are you ready for some tag team championship? It's their second of, I think, four or five, five title, five matches, title yeah. matches. So the Acolytes, who, as we mentioned, lost the belts to the Young Hardy Boys on the Raw after King of the Ring. Check that match out again. I can't say mm. how much I love it. Great match. The Acolytes taking on the new Freebirds. <laughs> Michael PSAs, Matt and Jeff Hardy. Then the tag belts are on the line in a handicap Acolytes rules match. Yeah. The, yeah. Can, can, we just, can I just ask now? Are we playing lucha rules here? <laughs> in that, if you go over, someone else can just come in so and never leave the room. Yeah. yeah. First of all, tags take a very much a backseat in this match. Clearly. I was going to ask you guys, Billy, what do you think acolyte rules means? Acolyte rules means uh, they can pin whoever they want, win the match, and get the belts regardless if they're the legal man or not, which may or may not happen at the end. <laughs> Adam, what did you think uh, acolyte rules was? Pretty much exactly the same. <laughs> I wrote down acolyte rules, i.e. it is real. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shoot. <laughs> no one is telling Bradshaw and Farouk that they're not beating the fuck out of the two young guys and Michael Hayes. That old timer. Oh, you knew you were in for a fucking war in this one. Yeah. Titles on the line in this one. Cole interviews the new Freebirds. Hayes has got some ideas above his station. He's like, oh, I'm going to go out and show these guys how it's done. Uh, kind of like the gimmick of the old timer. Yeah. Not knowing that, old oh man, it's a different game now. Yeah, you're you know? an old man. This is yeah. the acolytes we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, this isn't going to work against you. Can't, <laughs> you can't moonwalk your way out of this one, man. Like, I'm just saying. So the Hardy Boys music kicks out. You've got the, the old time. Yeah. Iconic. Although iconic and royalty free. So yeah, Michael Hayes comes out with him. I wrote down, Michael Hayes, he's no Lisa, is he? Oh man, the original because, Team Extreme. Because I remember, not, we'll talk about obviously when, when we get to the Hardys and Lita, but I mean, talk about the most marketable over group ever. Yeah. And talk about the, the writers just not knowing what the appeal of the Hardys was. Not yet. Two young daredevils, fucking Michael Hayes. <laughs> it, it only really struck out when they all came out to that music and Michael yeah. Hayes is there, is Kane with an eagle on top. Old man Kane. It's like, lads, this is... Clearly not gonna last. Yeah, I don't know what like what it is about the Hardys that makes it makes you know Russo or the Bookers think you know what these two young men needs is a man who looks like a sick lion. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like an alternate world of uh, Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking Cowardly Lion from Wizard of Oz. Oh, it's gonna like Narnia, but instead of Christianity is heroin. He is that, that is that is what the lion has. But yeah, great big ass brawl to start. Mm-hmm. We we. Spent around four minutes on the outside of fucking stiff brawling mm. before someone gets tossed in the ring and yeah. the bell rings. Yeah, yeah. takes ages for it's, it's not even hard. He's getting beaten up. It's just it's just Bradshaw and Farouk just kicking the shit out of Hayes. Because I was like, okay, three on two. Hayes is going to be involved in the finish. They're not going to stray away. Hayes just gets fucking leathered by Bradshaw. Yeah. Do you see the stairs spot there yeah. with Hayes? Oh my god, that was horrifying. I thought that uh, the crowd were quite quiet. Oh, very quiet. But I, at the same time, I was like. 
fuck it, you know what? They're taking a quiet crowd now, but two weeks later, you know, people are going to start reacting for these guys. They're building stars. I yeah. mean, if you compare it, I mean, we, we talked about it so many times before. It's like, well, young guys, they'll always find a place for them on the card in the Attitude Era. One great thing about Russo, he was given these fucking... I mean, Hardy's been there for ages. You know, yeah. Edge has been there for ages. All these guys have been there for ages, and they were never getting opportunities. But now it's like, you know what? Fuck it. We don't have the Outlaws. We don't have Legion of Doom. We're, let's make new teams. Let's make new stars. Mm-hmm. And they are doing it here, possibly to the sacrifice of the crowd, but I think they do an excellent job. It'll building. pay off yeah. later on as well. Did you see the Swanton dive to the outside, Jeff oh, Hardy? Amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Matt also as well heads to the outside. You can tell Hardy boys are very much in impress mode as opposed to uh, please don't break my legs mode, yeah. uh, which you see later in their career. It's, it's one of the things I noted here is that it's, it's such a great uh, clash of styles yeah, between the two totally. teams. You've got the bruisers and you've got the high flyers. It's my favourite kind of mi- matchup ever. Mix is so it's well. So, when you've got so good. fast high flying babyface tag team against the big bruising heels. And tag mats particularly it's beautiful especially when you're seeing an old man that you don't like getting beaten up <laughs> JR actually says because Michael Hayes has the shit knocked out of him like you say he's gassed JR just goes Michael Hayes looks like he's been uh, out on the town so to speak <laughs> <laughs> fuck me double and triple team manoeuvres from the Hardy Boys and Michael Hayes quite impressive mm. I noticed that Bradshaw was particularly rough in this oh yeah. stiffer than ever there was a lot of talk as well at this time that obviously you know, Bradshaw Farouk locker room leaders there was a lot of hazing going on with the young Hardys at the time you know bags being thrown away rent a cars being you know fucked over all this stuff it was you know Part and parcel of it. You're getting the push. You're getting, you know, you're the getting shit this. Hazed out, yeah. If you're on TV now, you're you're one of the guys, and this is it. But you know, that's that's the way it was. I don't understand the hazing fraternity thing that nah. is the backstage locker room. But that is it. We get acolytes no selling most of the singles offense in this. Yeah. I noticed. Again, I like that though. I mean, you seem like oh, that's disrespectful for the Hardys, but it made the Hardys seem more tenacious. That what they were doing didn't seem to work but they were fucking They're trying try anyway yeah. you know yeah. I like that then all of a sudden we get the, the hot tag to Michael Hayes well, you, you say hot tag <laughs> well it was meant to be a hot tag referring back to the uh, Nando's meter of hot tag well, well yeah if this is a fucking Nando's sauce this is ketchup basically this is <laughs> absolute dog shit Hayes just stumbles in like an old man and gets the shit knocked out of him immediately water with cornstarch and red food dye mixed into it like <laughs> red ooze uh, yeah Hayes he tries his hardest, but he gets pretty much murderized straight away. And then what follows is one of the most horrifying sequences of maneuvers to guys ever. Power slam by Farouk on Jeff. Ah! One hand powerbomb by Bradshaw off the top rope mm. on poor old Jeff as well, straight afterwards. Yeah. Fuck me! He's taking a licking. Dominator gets reversed, Matt hits the twist of fate, then we get a clothesline from hell on Matt straight afterwards. And then he... Does that move? And then what do you think? Pin, obviously, right? Obviously. No, he takes him over. Top rope backdrop. Now, you want to talk about fucking hazing. Yeah. The acolytes are hazing the Hardy Boys here. And you know what? The Hardy Boys don't... They put up with it. They put up with it. They they didn't complain. They're good sports. I'm screaming here at this point. No more. Uh, Jeff gets a sick cane shot. Breaks Michael Hayes' cane uh, on one of the acolytes. uh, In in front of the referee. It's acolytes rules, though. It's acolytes Acolytes rules, rules, mate. I was going to say, because it's... The referee looked at it and then just cuts to him. He's just pulling up his pants. I'm pretty sure Acolyte's rules basically means it's a street fight. Anything goes. Anything goes. I think it's around this point as well that JR... Fucking back to JR again. We're two matches in and I've called JR out. JR is is, is weird today. He's really weird. His past couple of pay-per-views, JR's been slightly off. He just uh, looks at Farouk and says, 
Farouk is like uh, James Earl Jones. He said he sounds like James Earl Jones. Oh, he sounds like James Earl yeah. Jones. Is that what it was? Slightly less racist. Still a little racist, though. Still and a little racist. King goes, huh? Even King is like, what are you talking about, old man? Yeah, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Poetry in motion. Attempted but reversed into the clothesline from hell. Oh. Yeah. Jeff lands right in his fucking head. Yeah, Double powerbomb on Michael Hayes. Acolytes win. New tag team champions. Michael Hayes would go on to be dumped by the Hardy Boys almost immediately thereafter, and they would seek new management. But more on that uh, later mm. episode. I think you were right, Billy, though, in terms of legal men. I think the legal man at that point was Matt Hardy. Yeah. And then Hayes just comes in and gets pinned. And it's, it's a shame that that's the way that the, uh, the, the belts get moved yeah but it's for a non-legal pin but again, well, again it's, that's it's acolytes rules they can be really liberal with whatever the hell you know whoever's tagged in and, and I suppose it gives the Hardys a little something as well which is kind of like it gives them an out and also gives them reason to get away from fucking Michael Hayes yeah, exactly. yeah it wasn't a clean loss or anything yeah. so the Hardy boys still fair fucks to Michael Hayes though I mean I expect him to stand on the apron for better or for worse the man was in yeah. there yeah true yeah, want to talk about a, a man on the roster who should not be in there taking shots from fucking Bradshaw and there's Michael PSAs very true get a quick shot of Stone Cold backstage doing a walk yeah and then we get backstage the K-Nundrum interviews D-Lo Brown Kevin Kelly interviews D-Lo Brown uh, D-Lo Brown who's back nice to see D-Lo have you seen the amount of weight this man has fucking lost yeah, he's looking great holy right. shit D-Lo, who's got a European title match tonight, taking on Midian, who was given the belt by Shane McMahon, found it in a bag. And uh, yeah, he's saying he's going to return some of the prestige to the belt. Fucking delighted to hear D-Lo. Yeah. It's a serious I've missed well. D-Lo. I've missed him so much. D-Lo, of course, had been coming back in great shape, really over, really connecting with the fans. Had been running a somewhat odd storyline with Mark Henry, which was kind of like D-Lo was trying to make it so that Mark Henry wouldn't die. Uh, what? What? Delo's in shape. He's looking good. Mark is all. <laughs> Sorry, just some people at home to know. Visualize. I was doing the little like fat Mister Toad dance there with my, <laughs> with my arms. Basically, like Delo's kind of like trying to get Mark to lose weight in all these backstage segments. He'd be like, "Hey man, drink this protein shake." And Mark's like, "What the hell, man?" You know, and, <laughs> he like would make him be doing like to be clips of them running, and Mark would be like, you know, like. <laughs> favorite one ever which is they go backstage and it's like this is like a baked potato rolled up in a bit of tin foil and Dino's like eat that <laughs> <laughs> and, and Mark is there because you know he's so big and he's in this tiny little potato which, which looks like a chocolate button when it's in he's, like, he's cut into it and he goes come on man where's my steak like, <laughs> so um in the eyes of Mark Henry, D'Lo Brown is the biggest heel in the roster at the moment, I think. But in my terms, I'm fucking happy to see D'Lo in good shape. And I'm yeah. happy to see him, you know, over with the fans. So it is the European title match. D'Lo taking on Midian. D'Lo comes out to that song. They're looking at the real deal now. You're making your sorry ass out in the street. Nah. <laughs> Love this song. I'm so glad to hear it. Or pure nostalgia for me now. Of course, uh, this song can also be used if you're going to Sainsbury's to get a bit of lunch because you're looking at the meal deal now. Here's your receipt. <laughs> <laughs> Certified public account, D'Lo Brown. Uh, so yeah, D'Lo Brown is pretty much hot shit right now with the crowd. Although I did recall this saying this a, a year, you know, a year prior, fully noted '98, D'Lo was also in a Euro title match. Mm. I'm like, what more does this guy need? He's over. He's awesome. He's yeah. good on the mic, good in the ring. Yeah. D'Lo. Well, now, now he's improved himself even further by uh, getting like in such great shape yeah. as well. Now, first of all, I can say it. I've been holding off on just blatantly saying it, but you know what? 
Median is champion. Fuck off. Seriously. Like, you know what? I like the whole. I like the weirdness of Median's gimmick at the start. I like the whole you know idea of. The, but now he is just a fucking jabroni in a fucking in my dad's t-shirt. He looks like a fucking jobber. He like. looks ridiculous. He looks like he should be going to a fucking Grateful Dead concert. Like <laughs> he looks. He should not be a champion. Is there a? There's a mushroom on the back of his shirt. A mushroom. A mushroom. There's an eye, and only there's a mushroom. Yeah, it says feed your mind. Yeah, feed your mind mushrooms. Yeah. Mush- for fuck. I'm okay. just saying. Pretty amazing start to the match. D'Lo does a tope. D'Lo is resting a lot faster now, uh, which is which is nice. Yeah. You know, guys losing weight and then trying to still be big, powerful lads mm. is stupid. Midian is in control for most of the match. He you know, gets in a deep sleeper. Midian keeps calling the ref Mike. Ask him, Mike. And there's a cover. That could be it. Put some Neo Sporn on it. I liked that. I hated that. Oh, I liked it. He's like, he's like his fucking buddy who he goes has a few beers with. He's like, got him in a chin, like, ah, come on, Mike, you know me better than that. Nah, yeah, come on, yeah. I, I like it, but they just referring to him as ref because, like, in the corner, one, two, ah, come on, Mike, I gave you my weed whacker last week. Hey, come on, now bring the wife. Come over, we'll have a good dinner. Like, like fuck at this off. time in the night, is there was a lot of shoot stuff going on, and obviously, like, these guys work together. It's always the same four or five referees, so they must know their names. Why would you? But call it's it- the lad with the mushroom on the back of his shirt yeah, is the guy. Like, like, first name terms Mankind could call him Mike and Okay fine. yeah Midian Fuck me I, I don't care about Midian What I'm saying is The idea of calling a ref By first name though okay. I would like to see that Done more often So I was enjoying You know most of the You know the The, the spots in this match It was pretty sleepy For the most part mm. D'Lo hit a really bad Tornado DDT though Oh it was, pathetic it, it was the most pathetic move I think I've ever half, seen Half D'Lo Half Midian's fault But they landed on the shoulder Or whatever yeah. There was no impact Nowhere near the head did D'Lo you, just uh, fell off the turnbuckle Did you hear uh, Jerry uh, recounting uh, about um, D'Lo's European tour when he was the European champion. Talking about yeah, when he went to was it Helsinki? Yeah, and he was all that, talking. Yeah. He says, uh, "I remember when he went to Brussels and and um, <laughs> all over Europe, <laughs> France." Brussels is the only thing you could think of. <laughs> anyway, we got a sky high by D'Lo, shaky head, leg drop, and the lowdown. Fuck me. Don't you know, signatures finisher, you are done. One, two, three, Midian loses. Thank fuck. The European belt is back where it belongs. D'Lo Brown, hopefully going to bring a little bit more class to that. Uh, yeah, hopefully, affair. yeah. But anyway, Austin knocks into the cameraman backstage, and uh, then we get Mickey C. Backstage with Al Snow. Well, folks, Stone Cold Steve Austin is obviously on a rampage backstage here this evening, but I'm here with the hardcore champion, Al Snow, normally uh, deranged, but a little more uh, than normal. He hasn't been the same since I had had this spike driven through it a few weeks ago. But right now, we'd like to take you back to this past week on Raw and show you what happened between Al Snow and the big boss man. Al Snow was overheard pleading, asking the big boss man to put him out of his misery. Putting out of his, put him out of his misery. He had the big boss man handcuff him to the ropes and then beat him with that nightstick. And tonight, Al Snow, you put your hardcore championship on the line against the big boss. Understand? Do you have any idea? Can you feel it? No, you can't. Can you? You can't even begin to know what it's like. What it's like to hear it, to hear it screaming all the time, all the time. You can't go anywhere. You can't think. You can't think. You can't. You can't think. You can't. He's going to make it stop, isn't he? And he's going to make me stop again, isn't he? He's going to make it stop, isn't he? Ah! He is, isn't oh he? my God! One of the, I adore this. Everything it's, about it's this. It's brilliant. He he looks like he hasn't slept in days and has started doing heroin. Yeah. 
a quick storyline uh, recap on this one. Al Snow, of course, who was close confidant, who he used to always you know have with him at all times. It's you know head mm. head had got a railroad spike driven through it by Prince Albert and draws on Raw, and in this is. I lo- it's like something out of a comic book I just thought it was brilliant the head gets a spike put through it and now Al's lost his mind because the voices won't stop <laughs> oh my god I love this Al cuts a fucking legit creepy promo yeah. here it's you it's know, dark it's, it's easy dark. to kind of go ah you know he's gone crazy but it's like you know what fuck it if you've actually invested in this character which I like to think we have at this yeah, point yeah, you know, I'm a big have. fan of Al Snow his trials and tribulations and to see him like this it's like oh you, you feel sad for him he's got like. bags under his eyes he's twitching he's scratching his head he's constantly. got help me written backwards on his head yeah that's it's like it's like uh, like seeing like you know a character who's like a drug addict in a you know in a TV show like relapse or something. Yeah. Like, oh fuck it, he's gone back off the deep end, and he's basically he's wants Bossman to kill him in so many terms. We cut a recap of of this on Raw, the first of what will be many segments. We will now refer to as Big Bossman behaving badly. <laughs> uh, Big Bossman, what a, what a baddie he was. He only went and he beat the bejesus out of Al Snow with a nightstick. And then had a can of lager afterwards and watched watched the soccer put his feet up. Way. That was a scary beatdown by Bossman. Yeah, vicious. Even more so because that fact that Al Al Snow is just on his knees asking for it as well. Begging for it, yeah. He thinks that if he gets beaten up enough, the voices will stop. stop. And Bossman, only more than happy to oblige. So it's our next or fourth title matchup tonight. It is the Hardcore Championship on the line as the champion Al Snow takes on the Big Boss Man. First of many encounters between this, these two. And I believe this is the first one we've had on the podcast. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. These men have some fucking wars. This is a war. This is a fucking like, assault. I always want to say, this is obviously your kind of backstage brawl of the evening. But I do think by the time we go through it, we'll maybe have realised that there was a something little more to this than just your standard, you know, backstage chicanery. Starts off with Al begging the boss man just to finish him off. Yeah. And boss man just looks at him and he's like, oh, I'm going to finish you off, but I'm going to hurt you first. <laughs> and he picks up head yeah. and just starts going, bink, with the fucking nightstick. And Al's like, fucking so scary and then Snow strangles him in yeah. retaliation like, he hulks out Al is completely unhinged in this goes absolutely apeshit you know really wild at the start and again I like when you've got a big stark storyline or character change it's nice when you actually continue doing that you know in the ring and it carries over and how you're actually wrestling yeah. at one point Bossman packs Al up like luggage Puts him yeah. in the, I was hoping Puts he was going to carry the briefcase. Yeah, one too. I stole him overhead neatly in the uh, <laughs> in the compartment. The guys head backstage. Al starts just throwing anything that's not nailed down, throwing cardboard. Yeah, a box of cardboard at one point at the boss man who he sells it like. <laughs> Lots of hard shots, though, you have to say, from Al. Really hard. Looks horrible. Kind of because the guys know the camera's so close to them. They really don't pull the punches. Yeah. He pulls up a, a big, massive um, massive pot of coffee as well and throws that <laughs> over the boss man. Like, and all the steam comes off. You can off. see the steam off it, so it's proper like, you think this is about coffee <laughs> <laughs> these words will mean something to you at some point <laughs> alright that's a lot of Hollywood magic where that coffee was kind of, there was steam yeah you know? it looked yeah. burny it was awesome Our boss went sold it brilliantly either mm. way we get a really bad moment though where Al is up against this uh, garage door 
and Bossman pops into a golf cart. Yeah. And he, he skids out. He held down A too long. I mean, you got to wait just for the green. And then mm, he would have gotten that boost. But sadly, Bossman can't get his go kart so to go. Awkward. Just leaves. Very awkward. Al is obviously thinking, okay, shit, spot is blowing. How do I save this? Plants! He picks up a tree and hits him in the head with it. Brilliant! There was a, a moment during this where you can just hear Jerry, and he, he, at some random moment, he just says, Snow is a bona fide moron. He should be decapitated or something. Jesus! That's his answer to the mentally, mentally ill. That's no <laughs> way to deal with your problems. Fucking hell. Uh, Bossman takes off his belt and starts whipping Al with it. This is something I love about Bossman in the hardcore matches which comes out now, which is that he's he's like an action man. He's got accessories. Yeah, he does. You know, he'll get you with something, with his nightstick, his fucking cuffs, his his belt, you know, he's got all these bits. Although I was waiting the rest of the match for his pants to fall down now he's taking his <laughs> belt off. <laughs> so the guy's head outside. Bulldog headlock right on the pavement. Oh, oh my god, it looked awful. <laughs> <laughs> it looked so horrible. It, what followed was just now this. I mean, you think, oh, outside, kind of like, oh, here we go, guys. Goofiness. What follows was some of the most harrowing offense. A uh, few moments of, of all time on the podcast so far. Yeah. I love this match, but yeah, from this point onwards, it starts getting a little bit gradually too much for me. Like boss man, really real with the 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 knees up, knee up, knee. He just picks picking up and Stiff drilling knees. them with the knees, knees to the fucking head. Hit snow with a brick. And then a bottle. Yeah, the Warriors or something. I know it's fucking incredible. Al is just like won't give up. He just won't. He's still talking to Mm. himself. And Bossman cuffs him against a uh, big gate, big steel gate, and uh, he's he's there. And Bossman just like opens up the 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 mini riot baton, which just pulls out and just whips the shit out of him with it. He doesn't just cuff me, he cuffs both hands. Yeah. Like, so like a crucifixion. He literally can't do anything. Yeah. This actually, I'll tell you right now, he, he gets by, you know, Al up against the thing, pins him. You were like, oh, how can he get pinned? My thing was like, oh, if you're up against a flat surface, your shoulders are down. But this upset me as a child. I can imagine it. I love, I loved Al so much. You know, the little Al action figure with little mini heads. Aww. You know, uh, my brother loved the boss and I remember being quite awkward <laughs> as kids. It's like, well, your guy just killed my guy, kind of. I think we will we'll hit on it once or twice more tonight, but this is the kind of stuff which you will see, you know, in a few months' time that they're going to start getting in trouble for this. Right. They're on a wave of uh, outstanding, like, momentum at the moment, but things like TV censors, parents, television council, and of course, as well, the more important one, the advertisers mm. were starting to kind of collude and maybe take notice of okay, this is not TV-14. If you're telling me what we just saw was TV-14, you're, no f- you're fucking yeah. bullshit. Yeah. Brick and bottle to the heads. You Seriously. Know. That, what they were doing there was, was stuff that would even like be kind of viewed as extreme in ECW. Mm. Did you think it was too much? I mean, considering the tone of the characters up to this point, I mean, Boston has been vicious, Al has been crazy, but, but this seems, I don't know, in my mind, a little bit extreme. I loved this match, like I said, but yeah, towards the end there, it was too much. It did make me realise, though, that Al Snow is filling in quite nicely for Mick Foley here. Yes. Like, the yeah. whole sort of goofy, wacky character that can take anything and he'll still carry on and he won't give up kind of thing. So it's nice that he's like slightly filling in the gap that Mick Foley left behind. I think the fans are getting their money's worth in terms of they want to, if they want to see a guy get those spots or get yeah. those shots, yeah. they got it with Al. Like, that's definitely true, yeah. I, yeah. I agree with you. It was probably a bit too much. The, the, the worst bit for me is when Bossman runs a mile back in Ah, uh, the jog the afterwards. The it, jog. Keeps, it keeps cutting back to Al, and he's smiling as if the voices yeah. have stopped. Mm. And that got me. I was like, "Oh, Al, 
you got to sort yourself out, mate. Yeah. It's, it's a rough one. That being said, you know, I sorry, there's some like kind of, oh, Al Bossman, hardcore title match, they'll go outside, they'll brawl, you know, some funny stuff. But I think the, the closing sequence, maybe it was a little bit more to this one than usual. So I've, mm. as such, even though I thought it was a little too much, I really enjoyed it as, as, as a result. Yeah, gotta love the light jog, though. Yeah. Notice, yeah. notice that Jimmy Corderas was ref this and not fucking Tim Cakes. <laughs> <laughs> Tim Cakes! <laughs> Tim White Chocolate. <laughs> Alrighty, holy shit, are you ready for this? The rematch of the century, mm. Kane taking on Big Break, Paul Weiss. <laughs> With the special guest referee, the big shot, Hardcore Holly. <laughs> I don't think I forgot about you, Big Show. Just so you know, we're doing the double, the double guns. The little points, yeah. The Bob Holly good job guns, <laughs> pointing into that camera. Holy shit, this match is actually going to happen. Yep. Bob Holly! Yep. yep. Special what, ref! What I loved the most about this was the promo before. Is that Kane and Unsaker are on the same side again? Then they weren't. Again! Like, again! I, I thought this, this recap did it a disservice because, in my mind, what you saw there was a recap of one of Kane's best moments ever. Which was, they were doing a thing where him and X-Pac were having a strange relationship, so to speak. X-Pac thought that Kane was carrying him. Again, it's exactly the same as the Daniel Bryan-Kane thing they did. Yeah. X-Pac was like, you know, I'm not the, I'm not your little buddy. I don't like this, you know, kind of thing. Kane obviously been targeted by the big show quite a lot. And the idea was Undertaker basically came and said, you know, you can be with me in the corporate ministry forget everything, we'll take out Big Show. And the two of them did team up, and they bet the fuck out of the Big Show. And then you're thinking, oh shit, Kane has left Xbox, he's going back with Undertaker. It was playing off the fact that they had been together before, so it was playing off that whole kind of disappointment, particularly because Kane has grown so much as a character. Yeah. And then on the Titantron, you see footage of you know one of the many times Undertaker has just killed Xbox, beating the fuck out of him. And Undertaker's looking at the Titantron thinking, no, no, Kane's not going to react to this. And then Kane just explodes, chokeslams his brother, crowd fucking explode. And then him and, you know, Xbox hug on the ramp. And for me, that's one of Kane's best moments. Mate, in here, it's just kind of like, oh yeah, that's something that happened. That was the real fucking story the previous weeks on Raw. It's awesome. Well, in the WWF, they say that Kane's heart grew three sizes that day. Yeah, <laughs> very sweet little moment there. When you yeah. see a hug on the ramp, it's awesome. Like, oh, oh, Kane actually Absolutely is a nice awesome. guy after all. Like, and yeah. it's like, Kane, because you think the whole thing is like, oh, Kane, he's just going to go back to Undertaker. He's just going to go back to the McMahons. It's like, no, Same he's fucking, character. he's sticking to it. I love that. Really good job. Before we get into things, we cut backstage with Bob Holly cutting another one of those classic promos. Five his. stars. I, and this whole promo, I was like, is he two-faced? Because he kept his one face covered the whole time. Yeah, he wasn't actually facing the camera at any point. He just like... Side profile. Yeah, just side. Uh, Stupid. How, how do you not know how to look into a camera, you he fucking idiot? had a couple of laughs as well. <laughs> Woo. That's what I love the most about Bob Holly promo. He's like, I'm going to say a word, <laughs> and then I'm going to follow it up with <laughs> I don't remember. Word. <laughs> I, I don't recall <laughs> what that last word <laughs> was. <laughs> so yeah, Bob Holly basically saying that you know he's on no one's side, he's the big shot, blah, 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 blah. All right, so Bob Holly comes out. He is announced by Howard Finkel as being the big shot. But can we just say it right now? Call it like it is. Great difficulty with this match. Mentioned in the previous podcast. Fuck me. The Big Show's trunks. Yeah. 
The big shows, medium pants. Yeah. Honestly, I cannot focus on this match because of those tiny little underpants that I, he's wearing. I'm exactly the same. Yeah. I was constantly watching the trunk slowly ride. Oh, it's horrible. Up and, up, and that's all I could pay well, attention to. I was, I was to. trying not to, but what would happen is like you'll get a camera in the corner of the ring and then Big Show will walk over towards the camera and then turn really suddenly and then it's there and he's like, oh, jeez, man, get that ass out of my face. Last night I wrote something down I just, and I couldn't write much for the rest of the match because of it. I wrote down... Full moon in Buffalo. Hard cameras on the big show's big fat fucking arse. <laughs> <laughs> I killed me. It was fucking glued to it. <laughs> Bring it up. You can't see the man's head for most of this Oh, right there. It's horrible. Oh my god, it's my eyes. Scarring. It's the fucking sun. It's <laughs> right there. No. Oh we, my god. We, we get a sign. We have a guy with an, uh, a sign pointing towards him that says, The real big show is in my pants. Ah, jeez. More imaging, uh, images for us. Hey, oh. Pretty cool spot in this match early on was a military press from Big Show to Kane. Was pretty cool. Made Kane look like a complete little pipsqueak, yeah. though. Yeah, but as he throws Kane over the top rope, um, Kane clips his arm on the way over and he lands funny. It looks it's, really sore. Uh, those men are too tall to be doing that, that mm. stuff. Again, I like the idea they're thinking of having a battle of the giants, but in, in honestly, it's all about perspective. Put these guys working with guys who will make them look big. Yeah. You know? Big Show so far has worked with, what, Kane, Mankind, you know, Austin, Austin a little bit. But yeah. it's mostly Kane and Mankind who are two very, very tall, big men. And bruisers as well. They're yeah. All bruisers. Give them someone you can fuck, put them in there with an Xbox or something Edge, like that. Edge, yeah, yeah, someone smaller. Make yeah. them look big. Corner heavy offense in this match again, Adam. Again, think, you all know. the fucking corners. Show dominates... Bob and Big argue for a little bit. <laughs> Bob and Big. It's my new CBBC show. Bob Bob and Big. The big shot in the big show. Like um, Bob is really not much of a factor for most of this match. He just stands there with his hands on his hips. Yeah, no real mm. screwiness. And like at one point, like Kane kind of looks at him as if to kind of say, you know, you better call this in the middle. I expect Bob to kind of point at the ref shirt or yeah. point him. He just stands there going, no. Oh. The, the, huh? the only thing he really tells him to do is he tells Big Show at one point to do a uh, side rush and leg sweep. Just go, says go for the back. He tells him to yeah, do that. Yeah, he, 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 he said he said Russian leg sweep to him. So I don't know if so, I don't so know if Holly like, is calling spots on behalf of the big show. Yeah, he's telling Big Show what to do so he because he obviously doesn't want Kane to win because he's got yeah. more beef with Kane. Big Show like turns and looks into the hard camera and he does the Randy Orton at Survivor series, like you know, sort of like doing the, the shit eating grin and the listening with his hand cupped over his ear. Oh, I am crap, but I, <laughs> I'm I've got an attitude, so it's fine. Yeah, it's I'm crap, but I'm only doing it to wind you up, so it's <laughs> yeah, alright. I could be good if I really want. Yeah. <laughs> a Kane mounts a comeback, then goes for the choke slam on the Big Show, but the Big Shot interferes going after Kane's leg. Big Show gets the choke slam. Fast count from the Big Shot. Big Show wins. So Big and Bob are colluding, it seems. Yeah, and then JR, talking about the finish, just says, This whole thing stinks! And yeah, you said it, Jim. This whole fucking thing stinks. And, and genuinely, just as he says that, we cut to a sign that says, This guy farted. So. <laughs> Brilliant. It all comes together now. It was foreshadowing. Yeah. I'm sorry, just so we got to the end of the match, just don't think that this was an actual fucking match that you can pay attention. It is nothing but a seven foot two, 500 pound man's arse with the fucking shittest tights in the world, with the crack riding up his gooch. It's uh, fucking don't. horrible. Yeah. Don't watch this match Do not ever. Look this up. Burn those tights, Big Show. If he fucking wrestled bollock naked, it would have been more easy to watch than this. <laughs> 
Let's hope they don't make a repeat appearance. Hopefully not. X-Pac makes a run in though, kills Bob Holly, and then Undertaker appears and chokeslams uh, X-Pac. It's crazy. I mean, overbooked Russo finish 101 right here. Seriously. Which is, you've got a lot of storylines going on, so he wants to get a little bit of everything on the pay-per-view. So I can appreciate that, I suppose. But fucking hell, it's crazy. Man after man. Big show and Undertaker then start working over Kane and X-Pac. While Bob Holly lays out unconscious. The next night on Raw, Undertaker and Big Show would form the Unholy Alliance. But more on that later. Oh no. <laughs> Best thing about this though was that because, you know, Big Show and Undertaker laid out, you know, everyone, but Bob was kind of left relatively you know, they didn't beat Unscathed. him up. He thought they were together. <laughs> so you got uh, big Bob Holly refers to the group as the super heavyweights like he's the only one and he'd be doing things like my boys aren't here yet but I'll be more than happy to take you guys oh, on oh no <laughs> poor old Bob don't think I forgot about you Bob like you know, oh, <laughs> adorable backstage Austin is viciously attacking The Undertaker busts him open from ear to ear Jim Ross says the side's now even as The Undertaker has a crimson mask and his eyes all roll back looking scary going nah it's a hideous sight to behold. Very scary. Yeah. Very, very scary. Alrighty, coming up next. This one is a fucking doozy. Ken Shamrock taking on the man who took him out at King of the Ring, Steve Blackman, in an Iron Circle match, a.k.a. Ring of Rent-A-Cars. <laughs> I was absolutely speechless when I saw this. It's somehow... Because I, I know... I like to think I know a fair bit about the Attitude Era, but somehow this had completely passed me by. I'd never heard it mentioned. I'd never seen a picture of it. I knew nothing of this. And it just astonished me. It looked like fucking Def Jam Vendetta on the yeah. PS2 or something. We got a recap of this lethal weapons antics. First and foremost, him beating the crap out of Shamrock all these weapons. But then we cut to it. It's downstairs in the parking garage. A circle of cars with the cast and roster of Sunday Night Heat and Shotgun Saturday Night <laughs> sitting on them bopping them and beeping them all at the same time all at the same time the the headlights are on to provide lighting for the ring <laughs> a lot of beeping in <laughs> the horns yeah. Shamrock and Blackman come out I'd say when they come out I thought it was shot really cool mm. yeah you know the, the music playing was maybe a bit naff but like you get the long shot of Blackman just slowly walking in mm. same with you know Shamrock who I obviously give the advantage to because he's wearing the winter jumper yeah <laughs> that's just fucking 101 right there whilst watching this I realised I've seen this match before really I have no idea how or when but I think I, I, it just left my mind but I thought because it's such a ludicrous premise but I thought I dreamed this match <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely thought I, I didn't invented this match because I tried to ma I, I think I mentioned it to someone before and like that never happened <laughs> and like I, I, I had no idea what it was but it's just these two men surrounded by a ring of cars it's fucking amazing it's incredible it's turned into yeah. some bizarre 70s exploitation <laughs> I kind of wish everyone broke out into song and dance at one point <laughs> it was kind of like beat us to an extent I was playing guest the jobber for most of the match though oh, yeah uh, seeing Viscera in his civvies was, was something uh, quite impressive no, like, like Viscera was going to blend in for fuck's <laughs> sake you see Viscera you sitting on the car fucking putting the thing yeah, yeah. Like, he, he was, everyone else was going all for it oh, we're going to watch this match we're going to smash the cars he's just like going a sandwich <laughs> Ford are on the phone going hey can you like sit on one of our cars think your big fat ass will be a good uh, <laughs> will be a will be a good ad for our suspension in our 4x4s my favourite one is Albert he's uh, stood in the background looking like Ricky from Trailer Park Boys <laughs> just remember Leahy what comes around is all around 
Don't you mean what's all around comes around, Ricky? Fucking hideous shiny green shirt on a pair of $2 sunglasses. It looks so fucking cheap. I felt genuinely sad to see Valvina sat there. The man deserves yeah. better. Really? He shouldn't be in that crowd. It's such a Russo concept of this whole thing, isn't it? The boys are backstage. Yeah, the, the, the boys, like, yeah. you know, eating popcorn, you know. Yeah. All I expected was someone to be taking money at the start, like <laughs> Harvey Whippleman or something like that. I mean, you, you can't recall much. They go in, you know, they brawl, they throw around the cars. The only really stupid thing that they do is they they do a lot of spots with the glass and the sides of the cars, but you can't see them because it's not lit. It's too dark. Yeah. Like I believe at one point Shamrock punches a hole through one. Yeah. You know, Batman does a savat kick through a, a windshield. You don't see it though because it's all too dark. It's all too dark, which was a bit of a shame. Serious uh, fucking Street Fighter yeah. arena, this one. Yeah. Actually, brilliant. speaking of which, who do you see in the background? Sergeant Slaughter is back. Is he really? Yeah. He's, he's, he's there back there doing his, you know, hand raising, you know. <laughs> Street Fighter pose. Street yeah. Fighter pose, little chicken beside him. You know, all, that, all that kind of business. <laughs> we have in this match my favourite image of Shamrock ever. It's just him, you know, it's just the whole idea of it is... Him in the glow of headlights, surrounded by big men in dark clothing, just like bags under his eyes, wearing like a, a jumper, just going, Dah! like looking up. It's so fucking brilliant. He's already punching through about three windshields. All stressed out, no one to choke. I like that, which was Batman produced a chain, I believe, and yeah. then Shamrock got it. He just wears him out with it, punches him over and over again. And he just stands up, as you said, with that. And I thought it was awesome because, again, they don't mention much here and I don't like them not picking up in the storyline. But this man has had a rough fucking go of it since yeah. WrestleMania. And I thought that was just a cool, like... He is still a badass. He's still it. a badass, yeah. you know. And this is one of you know Ken's last great moments, I think. Uh, just that awesome shot. Really, I mean, kudos to Kevin Dunn. He makes this... This thing could have looked awful yeah and he made it look tangible he made well it look directed. fucking you know like something so yeah we just get this really like terrifying choke out spot to end mm. which was yeah. Ken wraps the chain around Blackman does it for like a minute and then he just leaves you get a lot of strangulations in I wrote yeah. down did he deplete Steve Blackman's health bar <laughs> Shamrock wins by killing Blackman and he's now the leader of the car gang <laughs> <laughs> he gets to have any car he wants <laughs> overall thoughts on that match what did you oh it was outstanding absolutely incredible weird as fuck unique things you'll ever see on a pay-per-view uh, go out of your way to look it up on YouTube yeah one of the few moments where like unique actually doesn't necessarily mean awful because the match is like fucking two minutes long yeah, and, and if anyone's going to be like oh it's bad work right blah, blah. it's like for fuck's sake it's two minutes of lads beating the fuck out of each other in a circle of cars it can't get boring in two minutes. Yeah, what more do you want? You know, it, it was it was what it was. It was a cool, weird backstage segment. I enjoyed it. Backstage, Terry Taylor, the Red Rooster, <laughs> interviews the Undertaker. Undertaker says, the most dangerous animal in the world is a hurt animal. I've got a first in zoology. The most dangerous animal in the world is actually a killer whale or a, a shark. My immediate response to that is, what happens when you pull the balls off a rattlesnake? <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> backstage, Mickey C is with China and the ass man. Sorry, backstage, Mickey C is with China and the 1999 King of the Ring badass Billy Gunn. He never quit and he did it with his famous earth. This is, uh, this is where I will, I will just say this now. In this promo and in the match that precedes this promo, not once do they say that he was king of the ring. And my ears were fucking spit for this as well. I was, yeah. yeah, I was really trying to find it. It's been a month. It's been a fucking and month since he won, and that's it. It's I done. love to love him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's finished already. We might as well point out 
would is it too early to call it that Billy Gunn has Billy Gunned his King of the Ring? I think it is. If you if you're not getting referred to as the King of the Ring a month after you won the title. Mm. If, well, they, if people make if, verbs at your expense a few years down the line, you know you fucked up your King of the Ring. If, right? if, if you King of the Ring and the next pay per view you're in a tag team match, I think yeah. says, I says it the most. Because well, we we I think we before you we were like, oh Shamrock we use as, as an example, kind of he had, you know, he didn't have maybe the, the the run he should have maybe had with a King of the Ring. That being said, Shamrock the month after was in a triple threat cage match mm. with Mankind and The Rock for the, for the number one, one contendership. Yeah. And you know what? That's fucking something. Yeah. You know, he, he at least had some direction had at the a, start. He had, he had a bad year after being the King of the Ring, but at least after, you know, directly after winning the King of the Ring, he had something going on. Billy Gunn's okay, got you nothing know, you, here. You know what? I might even take back a little bit of what I said about him having a bad year. I mean, he, when he joined the corporation, he was a double champion. He, I would only argue WrestleMania onwards was when Ken started having a bad year. So, I mean, nine, he had a good nine months. Yeah. You know, uh, but fucking hell... Uh, <laughs> Mr. Ass, just back here, they're talking about royalties for our upcoming match, which is Mr. Ass in China taking on the Road Dog and X-Pac in a battle for the rights to use the name of DX. Mm-hmm. More or less, straight after King of the Ring, Triple H had just kind of went over to Billy Gunn in China going, Hey, have you noticed that our checks are smaller? And they're like, yeah, we're not making money. And it's like, it's because of that damn DX. <laughs> we're not making money anymore. No one's buying my Triple H wax stamp t-shirt. No one's buying the Vagina t-shirt. Who would have fucking thought? Vagina. I mean, if this is a shoot, I'd never... If I was in DX, I'd stay until the day I die. Yeah. Good Lord, I don't care what you do. You, yeah, knock me in the head in WrestleMania 15. Grant, I'm still in DX, mate. I don't care. <laughs> I'm your friend. Give me my money. <laughs> I'm in two minds about this. One part of me is like, this is fucking stupid. Because mm. if the heels win, no one's going to buy DX shirts because the heels are China and Mr. Ass. Exactly. Second of all, I do like it though because it's like it's something real to fight over. Yeah, mm. you know they they've hashed it out. They're not. I mean, I don't really believe there's personal issues that much between you know China and X Pog. You know, there's not. This is more. This is something easier for them to grab onto and get heat for. So I don't. Yeah, what what but, do you guys think? Do you think battle for the rights of merch is uh, weird or? I didn't really see it as the whole battle for the rights of merch so much as like you know the right to own DX yeah. and to be DX and like the sort. It's been around for a year and a half now, and the pride of you know being the guy that gets to wear the, the back and the green, which is why Xbox comes out in his fucking red attire again tonight. <laughs> you're fighting for DX and you're wearing red again, you yeah. stupid man. This is fighting for what DX is all about, royalty checks. Yeah. The fight, they're fighting to have the, because uh, they apparently at the moment have joint custody of the DX band. <laughs> they want to get rid of them, so they put them on the other. I want, <laughs> joint custody. I want Jim Johnson and the one who ruined the national anthem. Oh man, <laughs> We've got more shitty ring attire. Billy Gunn, what are you wearing, you sir? You look disgraceful, young man. He's wearing a thong with, like... See-through, kind see-through of pants. Very, very thin netted pants. Like, see-through shorts, Disappointed, yeah. there's a short list of people who've worn these, these trousers. There's China, Trish Stratus, and Billy Gunn. <laughs> Billy Gunn, when he comes out wearing those, uh, Jerry says, Mr. Ass has got it going on! And Jim Ross is like... The ring attire, not very masculine. Um, don't like it, no sir, not one bit. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's so awkward. Yeah. 
Is it? It's not going to get heel heat, though, is it? I mean, it's it's weird. Yeah. It's, why? Why is he wearing that? Road Dog cuts his promo. <laughs> Cherry with a great line saying, "Every word out of DX's mouth is trademarked." <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't stop him in TNA, mate. <laughs> Alrighty, Road Dog and China starting things off. Kind of again, doing a lot like what they were doing at King of the Ring, which is, you know, trading maneuvers, stuff like that. Crowd are, again, not into it as much as they were maybe King no. of the Ring. Crowd is in general tonight, even though I think it's a better show so far, crowd are not not giving the show what not it needs, I don't think. Pump handle attempt early by the Road Dog, Jesse James. Fine meandering commentary from the uh, Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler in this one. Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler are in an odd situation usually with this. Jim Ross has said numerous occasions that he does not want to see men wrestling women. He thinks it shouldn't happen. He's not for it. Mm. That being said, Jim Ross, I don't believe, is a chauvinist in the way that Jerry Lawler is. So you've got the non-sexist guy who doesn't want to see this match happen. The traditionalist. The traditionalist. But he's he's traditionalist in his views on wrestling, but uh, maybe progressive in his views on women. Yeah. And then the man who is progressive in his views on wrestling, but very fucking traditional, i.e. fucking backwards sexist. and sexist. He's defending it. And it's so backwards. Because yeah, Jim Ross together. is like, oh, you, you know, Jim Ross is like, you know, uh, uh, you could never beat up someone like China, could you? And Jerry's like, of course you can. She's a girl. Ha ha. Yeah. And then five days later, he's like, oh, China's, she's the best. And then he's like, imagine if Road Dog lost to a girl. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, make your minds <laughs> pick up. a side. Seriously. You know what? If G- Jim Ross was just like putting China over and saying, yeah, she should be in there. You know, it, but it's just, it's confusing as a result. Mm-hmm. It really hurts the match, I think. And we get a jackhammer attempt by Billy Goldberg. Sorry, <laughs> Billy Gunn. That is blatant. Yeah. Mm. Goldberg was like a big thing at the time, I assume. He was it? the thing. He yeah. was the top guy in WCW at the time. Very, very ridiculous. Billy's having an off night here. Uh, Billy Gunn, I think he's... Everyone's having an off night. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I, wrote, I wrote so little for this, like... I felt like I'd seen this match before. It yeah. was Road Dog gets worked over, mm. go, goes goes towards X Pac for, for for the hot tag. X Pac runs in. Medium Nando sauce on that hot tag. <laughs> X Pac <laughs> runs in, does a little bit of a punch, gets punched in the neck, falls over, start over again. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's just it's just the New Age Outlaws again. It's very uninspired. It's the, it's, isn't it's it? the New Age Outlaws, but without the New Age Outlaws. And I thought we could have got something much better with Road Dog facing Billy Gunn. Yeah, that's yeah, very true. That's the uh, that's the thing that disappointed me the most. That they they've been friends for however long it's been. Yeah, a year and, and a half they've been established together. Well, yeah, and it was pointed out to me that actually they did have a match at Over the Edge 1989. Now that shouldn't point out Road Dog and Billy. That being said, I still stand by what I said in the previous episode, which is kind of. The big showdown. When I talk about like a tag team fucking imploding, it should be a feud. Not a I match. mean, first of all, not a little match. I mean, a proper feud leading to a big drag out match, maybe a few matches, and also as well, they don't team up like the next month because New Age Outlaws they're back together very shortly thereafter this. Yeah. So I still maintain that yeah, we didn't have like say what you were looking for there, yeah. that big fucking personal and th- this rivalry. Could, this could have been it, even yeah. as a tag yeah. team. It's not necessarily just the two of them that this could have happened here. And X-Pac and China both had enough stuff to I mean X-Pac was involved with Undertaker and Kane yeah China obviously is involved with Triple H they don't need to be here Triple H was the main guy doing all the promos for this and he's not even in the match it's, yeah. it's, 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 it, it's a victim of crossed wires with storytelling too much going on no one's solely invested in this match I don't think we get Shake, Rattle and Roll on China straight away Bronco Buster on China after X-Pac Bronco Busters China JR just goes well that's a ride that she'll never forget and it wasn't even doggy style. 
Pump handle slam then on badass Billy Gunn and the the 1999 King of the Ring loses clean. Yeah, he's done. <laughs> You're done, sir. And fuck me. DX beat DX to be DX. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and as they're leaving, you know, uh, Road Dog cuts a nice passionate promo, which I thought was good. And Mr. Acid Chine just looks stupid in the ring, going, "Duh, yeah. what happened?" And then Jim Ross goes, "Now, when you buy that DX merchandise, you'll be supporting the Road Dog and Xbox habits." <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, it's time for a semi-main event. It's The Rock taking on Triple H in a strap match. Number one contendership on the line. Triple H and The Rock were once the cornerstones of their respective crews. For Triple H, it was DX. Break it down! Part of The Rock will now be played by Triple H. You know, The Rock just came from the bathroom. You should have smelled what The Rock was cooking. For The Rock, it was The Nation. But when The Rock gets a hold of your candy ass, he's going to lay the smack down on you. They battled for the Intercontinental title. The Intercontinental gold hangs in the balance. Yes! He did it! He did it! Triple H did it! But now, both men are striving for a richer prize. There is only one thing on my mind. I've got one goal, and it's to be the WWF champion. I want my shot. Let's get one thing perfectly clear. The millions... Rock's fans need The Rock as their WWF champ. Both these men have the same dream. That's to be the WWF champion. Two of the youngest, brightest superstars in the whole game today. What a physical, thrilling battle. They are dissecting each other here. It's now personal here for The Rock and Triple H. The 82nd Airborne puts quiet this rivalry. one track and it leads to the WWF title and nobody is gonna stop me. There's a pedigree. Helmsley is a poor excuse for a human being. The Rock, reeling from Helmsley's pedigree, just got the two-stone pile driver. Yeah, he's really called The Rock, the WWF title. What a no-good, lousy son of a... One goal, one aim, one road, one focus. Triple H has left a sack of bodies in his hand. On his way to the WWF title. Triple H, let The Rock understand this for a second. He beat your ass in a cage match, and now you're the number one contender for the WWF title? Well, The Rock realizes why that is. You're genius. Thank you. Thank you. Definitely a genius. Because you got a three-foot nose, you turn it sideways, and stick it straight up Vince's ass! Number one contender, or no number one contender, The Rock is going to do to you exactly what he does best, and that's lay the smack down on your candy ass! The time for talking is over! Let's do this right now! Well, Triple H wants to be the WWF champion, but that role will go through The Rock! Is 
straight away, as I soon as I saw a strap match, I thought, oh, fuck's sake. Yeah, we're, we're in dangerous waters here. We're in dangerous waters. <laughs> Yapapa. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the intro there recaps the DX and Nation rivalry exploding. Yeah, I like that. I love kind that of. package. Oh, yeah, really good. Don't yeah. shy away from the fact that The Rock was a no-good heel and Triple H was a face, and now the roles are reversed. I like that. and fucking it, embrace it. It reminds yeah. you of just how many times these guys have faced off in the past and what a great rivalry. Like yeah. the, the ladder match was amazing, and they've had so many good matches in the past. And not only that, but they're actually giving a promo package and all this significance to a number one contenders match, mm. which is quite nice, really. Mm. Also, seem more very important. nice to see the progression because obviously the next pay per view after this is SummerSlam '99, SummerSlam '98. Rock and Triple H are feuding over the Intercontinental Belt. Mm. SummerSlam '99, they're. I mean, they're, we're in this area. We're feuding over number one contendership for the World Belt. Yeah, that's awesome. In the space of the year, they both come up to the very top of the card. In the now. year, I mean, excluding everyone else, in the year you've made two guys. Yeah, that's crazy. And you look at all the guys these days who are in the same holding pattern year on year. Yeah. The rivalry have been getting quite personal in the last few weeks. The idea being that Triple H was now just being really vocal about wanting to be champion. And this is the beginning of Triple H finally having a voice or a reason to be heel and a reason to be this new persona. Well, we had this promo on, on Heat before this, which was Triple H sit-down interview with Jim Ross. And it was a, a shoot. Or as Triple H says, you want to fucking shoot? I'll fucking shoot. Well, he, he swears. Oh, yeah, he cusses. No China. And it's a real serious fucking deal. He's all like... You know, I was held down for four years, for five years, because, you know, you know, I'd say goodbye to Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and, you know, Madison Square Garden, and, you know, I'm tired of being the whipping boy, and they're like, oh, Triple H will be fine, he can take it. It was like, you know, it's my time. Two things came from this. Number one is Triple H started saying that it was his time. That's, you know, a big thing with Triple H. Also, first time he mentions, you know, being the game, which is obviously an important moment in Triple H's career because he will say that a lot <laughs> from now on. So yeah, I, I, it was nice to finally give Triple H much needed bit of mic time. And uh, I thought Triple H in doing the sit-down interview. Sit-down interview is always good. I always remember Mankind did the sit-down interviews. It's a chance to give a guy Goldust character. did sit-down interviews. It's like, just fill in the gaps. Let us know what the character is about. Flesh like. it out a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And that's great because Triple H now, we're really getting into the Triple H that I know. Mm. Like the start of the Attitude Area, Triple H is all well and good and all being the DX. You know, it's so good. I kind of yeah. think this is a Triple H I'm familiar with. Backwards leather paddy cap Triple H. The kind that really is a... A bastard. <laughs> a bastard. Oh. A bastard. <laughs> the Michael Cole. <laughs> a bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, uh, uh, another important moment in the promo package as well was this really terrifying thing they did where The Rock had been put in a casket and Triple H like worked over the casket with the sledgehammer. <laughs> Jesus, and one yeah. of the first times Triple H was using the sledgehammer, so a lot of Triple H's stuff is coming His together motifs. now. Yeah, yeah. Tropal H, mate. <laughs> <laughs> There's a really funny bit obviously at Raw, which is you know Triple H works over the casket with the sledgehammer. A rock is grinded inside, and they wheel the casket backstage, and like you know Tony Gurria and Sarge Slaughter open up like, oh my god, like you're like, getting sick, <laughs> like blood everywhere, like um, write the rock off for a week or two kind of thing. The Rock cuts a promo after Triple H comes out. Rock tonight, fully loaded strap match. You and Triple H to determine the number one contender for the WWF Championship. Michael Cole, The Rock says, know your role and shut your mouth. Nice shirt, 25 cents. 
The Rock says, Triple H, you go on Sunday Night Heat, you do your little interview with Jim Ross, and you cry like a baby. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. They sit there and they kept me down for five years. For five years, they kept me at the bottom of the barrel. Well, The Rock says, they didn't keep you at the bottom of the barrel just because you wanted to say goodbye to your Rudy Pooh friends in Madison Square Garden. No, The Rock says, they kept you at the bottom of the barrel because you absolutely suck. And on top of all that, and on top of all that, The Rock says that you run your mouth in four weeks, 28 days. I'm going to SummerSlam, and I'm taking what I want, the WWF title. Well, The Rock says in 28 seconds, The Rock is going to give you exactly what you don't want. And that's The Rock taking that strap, turning it sideways, and sticking it straight up your candy ass. Triple H, The Rock says he is the people's champ. The Rock says he is the people's choice, and The Rock is, without a shadow of a doubt, the most electrifying man in sports entertainment, period. If you smell what The Rock... is cooking. Masterclass right yeah, here. absolutely brilliant. Every single time I we were like, Rock cuts a promo, it's fucking awesome. What makes a Rock promo be like, just like that other level? Because this was another level, I this, thought. Yeah, he improves so much every time he does one of these promos. This was just perfect. He hit like all the spots, you know, the if you smell, um, Rudy Poo candy ass. The, the people's eyebrow he gives into the camera yeah. is the biggest fucking people's eyebrow I've ever seen. Best thing about it is that all his catchphrases fit. Yeah, they do fit. And that's just because of his flow. Because he's just saying random bits and bars, but you think, fuck, yeah, that, that actually, you know, the, adds on. The cadence he says that. Yeah, all, yeah it, exactly. It all flows. It, it doesn't flows sound cobbled together at all. My favourite thing was when he was like, he said, oh, they, they, they held me down for six years. Me, 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 me. because you want to say goodbye to your Rudy Poo friends. <laughs> <laughs> love that. Just love it. Yeah. Like, you know, Rock doesn't care about, you know, the click. He doesn't care about all the bullshit. He doesn't care. He's, he's there to beat the man. And, uh, Awesome promo. Got me psyched up for it. Matt starts off quite hot. Strap match gimmick. I was like, wait, strap match? Does this mean they have to touch the four corners? We're told that it isn't, which begs the question, why have a strap match? It's also apparently fall count anywhere. Uh, yeah. Supposedly, yeah. Like, that is Like all, all the great strap matches. Then the strap match would go on to become one of Rock's specialty matches later on, which is, you know, he would do the Brahma bull rope match. He had a few of those on TV. Strap matches, are you guys fans of them? Not at um, no, Generally not. not. At all. I was very hesitant going into this. Especially if there's several moments where the straps fall off. Yeah. They mm. realise that the straps fallen off, just fight for a bit, then put them back on to go, come back. Problem I should say, though, I, I'm not a fan of strap matches. But this changed my mind. Mm. I, I this they, maybe it's because they got rid of the whole four post thing where you have to hit the corners. Because that, that, I mean, that's for me, stupid. you need a one, two, three. Yeah, you do. You need, you need, a, you need a, or a tap or something. You need that boom. This happens. The sudden, yeah. yeah, not one, two. You know, it's like hit winning a match on countdown. Yeah. I suppose the reason they went with the strap match was because obviously we had, um, you know, before this, a lot of encounters between these guys. One-on-one -on -one matches, ladder matches. They had a cage match on Raw, which is fantastic. They had a cast match on Raw. A cast match. <laughs> yeah, where The Rock had uh, he had he obviously his arm had been uh, injured by Triple H because of the sledgehammer. So uh, Rock had his arm in a cast. So Shawn Mike said, "Make it fair." Triple H's leg is in a cast. 
fuck's sake. Brilliant. Russo! <laughs> oh shit, it's Vince Russo! <laughs> yeah, um, stench of that. Glad they didn't put this one on pay-per-view. Big crowd brawl to start things off. Adam, you mentioned before you thought there was maybe a certain arch or a science to the crowd brawl or only certain guys could pull it off. Yeah. Do you think The Rock is one of those gentlemen? Well, I was going to say, I wasn't really enjoying the outside brawling to start off with, but then actually the strap gimmick starts to work in their favour because they do things like, you know, Rock gets thrown over the barricade, but then he'll pull the strap and whack Triple H into the barricade. And what they were doing was very clever. And it was only the first couple of minutes that I was thinking, oh God, not another crowd brawl. But then soon they won me back over because the stuff they were doing was genuinely inventive and really fun. You think about it as well. Good thing about The Rock when he's crowd brawling, he'll do his move, but if he's on offense, then he'll just stop. He does the, you know, smell or whatever. Yeah. Crowd straight away, Rocky, Rocky. Yeah. And uh, that, that's awesome. There's very few guys that can just make the crowd chant like new the psychology. Yeah. yeah, and he's got that down. Uh, we got a brief shot of the Spanish announcers. Jerry Lawler starts mouthing off every fucking... Start saying ole over and over again. <laughs> I don't like other countries. <laughs> uh, spotting there, Savio Vega on commentary. Still here, is he? Still here. <laughs> Poor lad. Please go away, Savio. <laughs> <laughs> a rock hits a suplex on the concrete at one point. Ooh. Very, very rough. Back to the ring, Triple H takes control and China appears. Rock bottom by the rock. And the ref is distracted though by China, so we don't get don't get the three count. Then we get that very, very sick corner choke spot by Triple H, wrapping the rock up. I think I've talked about this before on the podcast. I don't know what it is, but there's just something about strangulation spots that I don't like. This, that is tame compared to some of the other ones. It's, it's very real, and it always makes me go like, oh, God, no. Uh, tonight, we had strangulation in the Al Snow and Big Boss Man match. match. Yeah. We've had strangulation in the Ken Shamrock match. And now we've had strangulation here as well. It ain't PG, like. Uh, I'm just quickly jumping ahead. Later on, Undertaker will pick up a wire. Stone Cold strangles Undertaker with the wire instead. <laughs> Makes me sick. <laughs> the Rock throws Triple H off the top at the end of this corner choke spot, which is really cool. It's obviously one of the set pieces of the match. Mm. But Jim Ross, with the call of this entry, goes, The Rock just jerked Triple H off! The top rope. <laughs> Mark Henry is handling the big Johnson line. I mean, <laughs> come on, Jim. Uh, Rock does a sequence um, using the strap he could to Irish whip Triple H over mm. and over again. Mm. He does Samoan drops, big slams. Really awesome. Uh, Triple H, though, at one point, just stops, stops wearing the strap, as you said, Billy. Which yeah. Referee makes no attempt to put it back on. No. no, it's there's a moment where the strap is back on both of them. Rock takes the strap off so he can do the people's elbow. He just puts it back on, then goes for the pin. <laughs> Mr. Ass appears... And he has the little tiniest little little bat in the world. I thought it was like a club or something, but on close inspection, it did just look like you know, like the mini baseball bat you could get as like for a kid, little toy. A one. kid's baseball. Yeah, bat. what a, a joke! This little... man is the king of the ring, and he can't even get a real baseball bat. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous, isn't it? But Rock kicks out. And then we get the uh, the people's elbows, as Billy said. But Mister Ass comes in and breaks the count up, gets Rock bottom. This is fucking a bit overbooked for my liking. Mm. Pedigree, Triple H wins, and he's going to SummerSlam. Just so we know, I've said it right now, because there's going to be a, a bit of a chat about this at the SummerSlam episode. Triple H won the number one contenders match. One, two, three, to be the number one contender. Yeah, Triple H is the number one Triple contender. Triple H, number one contender for SummerSlam. That's right. Remember that. Okay. That's all I'm saying. I enjoyed this match. I thought it was a good brawl. I thought these guys had been out to the races so many times, I would be... You know, bored by it. I like Triple H's new character elements. I thought that worked very well. I thought it was a bit overbooked at the end, though. I didn't mind the overbooking at the end. I thought the final sequence was great just because it was 
Yeah, it was Vince Russo's typical, like, you know, send him in, then, you know, he'll kick out and send him in, then, yeah. and then interfere. But it was all within the space of, like, you know, it didn't go on for ages. It was in the space of, like, a minute or two. So it was just, you know, pretty quick and it was over soon with... It was over and done with soon. Um, but, yeah, like you say, Triple H's got his new character. Uh, the main thing I liked about this match, because I, I thought it was a great match, but it's the fact that, um, you know, when you have guys that have faced off so many times in the past... You do worry about them getting stale and everything, but as you mentioned earlier, Rock and Triple H have had this great series of mm. different gimmick matches. They've done cages, they've done ladders, they've done a strap match now, uh, and they've got many more to come still in the future. So I just think it's really great that Rock and Triple H can put on a great show using so many different kinds of matches. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Billy, what do you think of this? This is my one of my least favourite matches of the night. Disagreement! Seriously? <laughs> yes. If you're going to have a gimmick match, stick with the gimmick. I don't like strap matches as they are. But if you're going to have something, call it a strap match, but then mm. say, oh, but the, the rule with the, the, the touching the four ring posts, that's not going to be in it, and it's false count anywhere. You know, there's no point. It's like having an Inferno match, and then having the match in, the, side, yeah. in the crowd, and then the <laughs> ring's just there. It's just, there's no point. It's like having a steel cage match mm. where you're on the outside of the ring. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pointless. And, and Dilutes the gimmicks, I suppose. It's, it's I mean, it means, makes them mean less in future. I would, have, I would have sooner had this match just be a straight-up brawl, just one-on-one, mm. even have it, you know, like... False no, count anywhere. False count anywhere, yeah, yeah. no disqualification, something like that. It would be more interesting... But the fact that all I could pay attention to was the fact that the strap, the one remaining part of this match's gimmick, kept being taken off yeah. deliberately yeah. and undeliberately and nothing was happening to it. That's, that's all I could think about. And the match was... Just, I just found the match boring because of it. I really didn't like this match. Well, that's a fair point. Um, I suppose the only thing I'd argue back to that is that, I, in my opinion, the strap match is such a shit gimmick anyway. That yeah, I think, I like, mod- Modifying it like this, I think they did the strap match a service and this was a much more enjoyable watch than a traditional strap match where they do do the four corners gimmick. I know, but why not have that as a weapon then? If I have it like as a, use, literally have a strap used strap, as a weapon yeah. in a notice qualification match where, you know, like... They could have done all that where stuff. Where you, you put the strap on both of them like so Triple H gets out put it's because you know what <clears throat> when they're advertising it they want marquee matches stuff which you haven't seen yeah. before if you say oh, they're doing a strap match like, oh shit what's that you know because yeah. I've seen them fight before you know in mm. well, I, I agree with both of you to be honest on, yeah. on that one agree to disagree so the Triple H is on his way to SummerSlam to take on the WWF champion because he's the contender yes he, he is yes he is who will he face though will it be The Undertaker or Stone Cold Steve Austin it's first blood the end of an era if Steve Austin wins Vince McMahon is gone forever if The Undertaker wins Stone Cold can never challenge for the belt again it's time for the main event Championship, so paybacks are a bitch. 
But Mr. McMahon's hatred for Stone Cold as WWF champion fueled the CEO to increase the stakes of tonight's first blood battle. If The Undertaker wins the first blood match, you will never again ever even attempt to become the WWF champion again. However, if Stone Cold wins the match, you will never ever see Vince McMahon again. It will be the end of an era. And I want it in writing. Got to read the fine print of any contract that Stone Cold's lawyers drew up. Of an era. It'll be Austin and the Undertaker for the WWE title. Austin, what it is I want is your blood. The Undertaker has opened Austin up again. That's the way it'll be in first blood. It's the first time that I have ever placed my career, Vince McMahon's career, on the line. When I beat the Undertaker's ass, since we will see you last later. If the Undertaker wins, then Stone Cold will never get another shot at the WWF title. This will be the end of an era. It was you that made the deal with Austin. The hell with business. With Austin, it's personal. Austin driving in here and what it looks like to be some sort of blood mobile. Undertaker, you want my blood? You son of a bitch, I want a piece of your ass. We got somebody to get hurt bad here tonight. The end of an era. One way or another will be the end of an era. The first man to bleed loses. It's that simple. All right, nice intro package there. Yeah. Austin winning the strap the night after uh, King of the Ring. I love that match. Again, repeated over and over again here tonight. What I want is your blood. <laughs> blood. I hope that's not The Undertaker's blood. <laughs> um, nice nice callback to King of the Ring 1998. Austin saying, last time I was in a first blood match, it was you who fucking yeah. lost me. I was like, hey, you know, I had to say, I like that. I, uh, I really couldn't take the promo seriously through the repetition of I want your blood and the term bloodmobile. Bloodmobile. I'm not going to take this match seriously if you keep saying I want your blood and bloodmobile. Austin Austin didn't come out in the bloodmobile because you know take him and go on saying I want your blood what I want is your blood I'm going to drink your blood and Austin came out in the bloodmobile and was like hell son if it's blood you want this bloodmobile's got loads of fucking blood in it like it was really brilliant. I was disappointed I've seen that episode of Raw and I was really hoping that because Austin comes out in the blood truck he was just going to start spraying blood (laughs) <laughs> the billion dollar princess has become a hemolymph queen <laughs> sadly Austin then did not have a, a hose with loads of blood <laughs> never ever seeing Vince again is a scary prospect even when I was a kid I was like I don't want this to happen yeah. I love Vince we talked about demonic Vince before closest Vince got to it was when he made Undertaker sign the contract in Austin's own blood <laughs> 
ridiculous. Gets a, he cut off, basically the, in the weeks up to the match, Undertaker had been cutting Austin open. You know, he had smacked him with beer cans, championship belt, stabbed him with the fountain pen, filled it up with blood, and Vince was signing it. Notice Vince is in a wheelchair, mm. not because he's taken on too many demonic powers and his physical form is waning, <laughs> as the rest of him has been taken into the shadow realm. Sadly, that is not. He was in a motorbike accident, <laughs> which kind of kills his involvement in the match a yeah. little bit I suppose because I mean he would have been involved in this a lot more he would have been definitely high feckin stakes going into this one yeah and it's summed up nicely but I love it when matches like when a main event has a tagline like you know uh, Wrestlemania 17 Houston we have a problem and mm. this one is brilliant where JR just sums it up so perfectly with somebody's gonna bleed or somebody's gonna leave it's brilliant love it yeah really awesome promo package once again Vince McMahon appears. He's on his crutches, which is good. He's going to be the guest commentator tonight. Vince just takes a, a short second to observe the Vince McMahon crimson masked stage. Oh, yeah, the top of the round. Kind of looking into his future. I fucking <laughs> love that. It's really brilliant. There is a big fight feel here. Mm. Yeah. Possibly, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is one of the biggest fight feels of the entire podcast. Solely because we have the intro package. We have Vince coming out. We have all that. Then we have that build-up music, the do do do, you know, that kind the of synth. lowering music. Yeah. And then you get Undertaker coming out, his entrance, you know, and Vince McMahon on commentary. You know, I'd say he's awesome on commentary because usually when Vince is on commentary, he just goes back to big back body drop, and like when the Undertaker is coming out, he's like, "I'm risking it all." Yeah, you know, he's like, "I'm getting such a thrill because it's all on the line." It's fucking awesome. Chills in my spine when and that happens. With both Undertaker and Steve Austin, you actually see them backstage walking around. Yeah, from, yeah with Austin, that music before Austin as out. well. Then coming out, and you just see he's got the bandage on his head. Both men showing a little bit of concern. Mm. You think, oh, this match ain't gonna last long. Both these men have been busted open. It's, you both, know. it's risky on both their parts, and the I stakes say, are very high. Yeah, it's very true. Actually. And Austin comes out, Fink doesn't even announce him, and boom, straight away, hell for leather. That fire is there straight away. Yeah. The fire, which I might add, I believe was missing from most Undertaker Austin matches coming up because I know, I know that there's been a lot of stinkers, so it's hard to get hyped up for a match like this. And maybe they almost knew that because they went way over the top here in presenting this as being. The main event. Mm. WrestleMania didn't even get built up like no, this. No, yeah, that's very no. true. That didn't have you the feel this has. Fast action to start off. Uh, Austin, of course, covering up when he's being struck by The Undertaker. Mm. There's a little bit of... You do feel like they're wrestling a first blood match. Yeah, there's yeah. sort of like, oh shit, one of these guys is going to stop bleeding any second. There's a certain urgency to it, yeah. And again, I think you know the idea that Austin and Taker have just been stitched up in the build-up to this. It's awesome because he'll take a rips at Austin's stitches. He's oh, like pulling so his queasy. fingers yeah. in there. Yeah, you, you see him like putting his hands on Austin's head and Vince McMahon's going, look, he's putting his fingers right in he's that wound. Rip the stitches out. Keep that wound fresh. You see these hands. <laughs> I should not have watched this as a kid. It was not appropriate. Yeah, no. It's, it's not appropriate. I'm much. like, I'm liberal as fuck when it comes to like stuff, you know, you know, I think kids should can watch wrestling, whatever. That's fine. Particularly the product these days. But honestly, this... I was, what, nine or maybe just ten. Combine that with everything else we've had in this pay-per-view, like, you know, the somewhat sexist commentary, Deborah being used as just a pair of tits. This is quite an inappropriate product at the moment. Austin starts firing back and they head into the ring and then back out into the crowd almost immediately thereafter. We get loads of Vince McMahon reaction shots throughout yeah, this entire yeah, match, uh, which are great. Taker pursues Austin with a chair, like, runs right the fuck after him. A.K.A. Adam's WWE 2K14 strategy. Boom! 
I called you out there. Yeah. Uh, but Taker, he gets dropped toehold into the stairs yeah. with the chair. Fucking Michael Cole was there. Drop toehold into the chair stand. <laughs> Head explodes. <laughs> it's like scanners. Like <laughs> yeah, Austin gets the cable choke on Undertaker. Kind of uh, kind of scary. And like as he's there there in the commentary table, and Vince is like, use a pencil, use oh, a pen. And like Austin's hitting Taker with the fan. Like there's just this great sense of urgency. I yeah, wish I had to say I, I enjoy quite a lot about this ref bump. And then Undertaker reverses the stunner, but falls back into the ropes. The old Andre spot, yeah. arms trapped, crowd lose yeah, it. And we did too. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. I was like, holy yeah. shit, this is going to be amazing. Austin goes for the chair, winding it up. I'm like, all right, if he does this, he'll win the match and kill that man. <laughs> <laughs> and then before Austin can unload it, who arrives just in the nick of time to take that bullet? Shane McMahon gets cream crackered with that chair. The sound of that chair shot. Which, it's, a oh. snug chair shot from Steve Austin there. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Shane dies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Undertaker exposes the turnbuckle after getting out of the ropes though. But Austin hits the stunner. Sensing that it's over, Vince McMahon hobbles in the ring towards Austin. But not to check on his son. Yeah. No. Which I love, he mentioned on commentary, commentary JR goes, you're not going to go check on Shane Vince, and Vince is too afraid to get near Austin. He's like, no, we, I'm, I'm sure he's fine. <laughs> I, what I love about this is that like, they've done the thing, which is Taker was like, I know I'm fighting for Vince, but this shit is personal between yeah. me and Austin. I don't care about you, Vince. So Vince is kind of scared that Undertaker is just more concerned with beating up Austin than actually winning the match so yeah. that's what I love about it is that you know, he hasn't got full confidence in his guy there's a nice element to that there so yeah Vince hobbles into the ring tries to um, go after Austin Austin clocks Vince gets the chair Taker with a shot Xbox then comes out spin kick right with the chair on Undertaker yeah Unbelievable, Undertaker. Really cool. Undertaker. I really, I, I kind of marked out a little bit. Because yeah. X-Pac. Is X-Pac coming out in the fucking main event? To it's get revenge like, for something again that happened earlier in the pay per view. So again, it's another thread that's uh, being followed uh, up. On. Another, another, you know, gold star for Vince Russo. There, not afraid to put guys seemingly in lower card feuds, bring them up, mix them in in the main event because mm. it's interesting. It is interesting. It is interesting. You Aust- never thought you'd see X Pac kicking Undertaker in the face. An Undertaker. Yeah. What a what mm. an odd combination. You wouldn't yeah. think of that. You know, that's that's what's what's cool about that style of writing. For all the negatives that it entails, you do get genuine unpredictability. Austin now gets the camera. And I love this as a kid. It was just kind of like Whatever is to hand. i yeah. got to fucking end this. He gets the camera. I'd never seen a camera spot before as a kid. I, I would have loved it if it was a uh, first person. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like Rob Ford, like, right. Yeah. <laughs> Undertaker stands up and he is wearing the crimson mask. And Jim Ross is like, he's bleeding. And everyone's pointing at Undertaker and cheering. And Taker's like, what? And that's why I love about <laughs> the first blood match is that he's not, like, knocked out. He's like, oh, I've lost. He's fully awake and conscious. Everyone to, knows he's still ready to carry on. Yeah, he's fully aware of his failure. And just to see Undertaker's facials here, I thought are awesome. And yeah. it's one of the best performances he's given, I think, so far. Vince's face as well. It's oh, amazing. Man. Crestfallen. 
Unbelievable. Austin gets a stunner on Taker and a stunner on Vince. And then Triple H attacks. Fucking Jesus Christ, The Rock comes out. This is how I booked my toys as a kid. This is an all-stars ending, mm. isn't it? It's yeah, insane. I know. Fucking hell, WWF Smash Brothers. Like. <laughs> Taker goes absolutely apeshit. Amazing pull-apart ball. Taker's like hitting the timekeeper's table with the chair, throwing shit everywhere. Knocks down Shane. Shane yeah. like It's like corporate ministry is dissolving yeah. in front of your eyes and as a kid I was like oh no really but I thought that wasn't going to happen any night <laughs> genuinely blown away by it Vince they're crying in the ring uh, I get stunned by Austin Jim Ross says "Good night, sweet prince <laughs> Steve Austin has won Undertaker has lost Austin is the champion and you're never going to see Vince McMahon in WWF TV ever again Although, to be a, quite frank and a little bit of a spoiler, Billy, by autumn he is WWF champion. <laughs> <laughs> never before has the words never been used with such a lack of respect. Oh, man. So Vince is gone. Gone forever. And uh, next night in Raw, he comes back to give his farewell address or whatever. Jim Ross leads a rendition of na 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 Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Goodbye. And one of my favorite Vince moments ever, as he's leaving, uh, getting into his limo, so pissed off, and Howard Finkel comes up, you know. I want to thank you for everything, all you've done for me. You've helped my career. And he says, I just want to say, I love you, Vince. And Vince looks at him in the eye and goes, Get the hell away from me. And then Fink starts crying. Oh my god. God damn it. Poor old Fink. Poor old Fink. But there you go. It's in the books. Gonna ask you guys for your uh, final thoughts on that pay per view. Uh, overall, I'd say I enjoyed it a hell of a lot more than King of the Ring. Variety is the spice of life. And, you know, when you've got different characters and not having repeat matches over and over again. I enjoyed this a hell of a lot more than I thought it would. I couldn't agree more. Your variety really is the word. We've got so many different match types here tonight and so many different guys and different characters and different stories going on. It was just a really nice mix. Never got bored and there was very few bad matches as well. If so. you want to know like Crash Course what is Vince Russo Attitude Era at its kind of, not say it's best, but it's, it's peak of popularity. It was this. This is what they were doing that was doing the big numbers. The highest buy rate for a fully loaded of all time. Not that that's a surprise, but anyway, what do you think of this? You really, enjoy really enjoyed it. Um, watching it, it was probably one of the first times when watching the pay-per-views in, in preparation for the podcast, where I've been more or less enthralled the entire thing, aside from those one or two matches I really didn't like. Mm. But I was, I was entertained throughout, and I was, uh, it felt for the first time I was truly invested yeah, in what yeah. was happening with everybody on the card. You know, D'Lo came back. I wanted him to beat Midian, become the new um, European Championship. I wanted the Hardys to retain the championship and I didn't and that was like, oh. Yeah. For the first time I'm getting properly invested in everybody. Is it just me or does it almost feel like you were watching the Attitude Era as it happened? Like, for me, this pay-per-view felt like the first time we weren't looking back on an old product and I got so invested in it, it was actually like, I'm just watching wrestling. Yeah. I'm yeah. not watching old wrestling, I'm just watching wrestling as if it was the modern product mm. almost. Great pay-per-view, definitely one to check out. Not one that's maybe listed or fondly remembered, you know, mm. it's maybe forgotten about a little bit. All that's left now is to ask you guys for your match of the night and MVP. Adam, match of the night. Match of the night, uh, 
lot of good matches tonight, but mine's going to definitely be the Acolytes versus the Hardys. Yeah, uh, baby. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely love that match. Um, like Billy said earlier, such a great mix of styles. Uh, a lot of spots, and yeah, as you said as well, the Hardy Boys just trying to prove themselves still, so really great match. MVP. MVP. I'm going to go ahead and say Triple H here, because genuinely it's the first time on the podcast that I've actually really started to feel that Triple H is actually taking that main event spot now, and he's getting that main event character that I'm so used to. And People, you know, they always say a lot of shit about Triple H because of what happens in the Ruthless Aggression era, but Attitude Era Triple H, I did love growing up. I thought he was such a great villain and a great character, and I'm just really glad that we're finally getting that coming through now. Billy, match of the night. Uh, match of the night, I'd say, would be uh, the main event. You're giving match of the night to an Undertaker-Steve Austin match. Wow. I think that's the first time I've No, I, it's because I remember at the start of the podcast, I was like... Trying desperately in vain, I think, to convince you guys that Austin Undertaker like had good matches. Yeah. But there wasn't a whole lot of evidence seemingly before us. I didn't buy it until now. Yeah, uh, this match was great. It told it, it told a great it told several great stories. Yeah. There are so many stories going into this. And I, I I really really liked it. Not to say that there weren't other great matches, like special mention to the hardcore match and yeah. and um, the tag team match that uh, you put down for your match tonight. MVP. MVP. I wrote down two people, but I'm only going to go for one. The person I the person I'm saying it's not going to is Austin. Right. But Austin Austin was amazing tonight. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, I'm giving MVP to Al Snow tonight. Hey! Because he terrified me. <laughs> <laughs> like Al Snow was really, really good to yeah. Really enjoyed Al Snow's I think it was good. It was good picking up as well on that, that whole kind of him fulfilling that Mick Foley role while Mick yeah. is gone. Yeah. I think he really did step up on this pay-per-view. Mm. So yeah, awesome, awesome. Kevin? Match of the night, main event, no question. Loved it. I love the story. I love the insanity of the whole thing. It was my favourite first blood match ever. I love it. It was old-timey fucking Memphis brawl. Just shit being knocked everywhere. There was a great sense of urgency in the whole match. Which, again, you know, going back to things like the own Brett Cage match we talked about way back in the, the own tribute special. I love when there's a sense of that you, the guys want to win, they want to win now. Yeah. You know? There was no fucking headlocks in this. There was no fucking, you know... No hanging around. Hanging around, no mess about it. It was like, this man has got stitches, he needs to bleed so that guy can go. You know, awesome. Perfect story. Worked well. I loved it. And MVP is Steve Austin because this pay-per-view was hot. Uh, it was riding a great wave of momentum attributed almost entirely to, to Steve Austin you know uh, I, I, I have this thing in the back of my mind that I like I have this thing like yeah sure it's a given that everyone knows that Austin's the fucking best but I need to make sure it's noted particularly in these earlier Attitude Era pay-per-views because I'm thinking into 2000 and whatnot we won't be seeing him for a bit Austin is the fucking man he is the reason there are butts in seats if you're honestly thinking at this point that people were going solely to see The Rock as entertaining as he was or Mankind, as entertaining as he was, you're wrong. It was Austin. Austin was getting the numbers, the pay-per-view buys, the ticket sales, the merch. And so I'm giving him my MVP. Uh, MVP for life, fucking induction right there. <laughs> but no, as I said, Austin, he's, he, he's, he's a hell of a worker. Really great. I mean, if you're working the match with Undertaker, and you can't take that man's finisher, and I still don't, you know, think the match is hokey, fucking well done. Yeah. yeah good and that's going to do it for the Editor Podcast episode 16, Fully Loaded 1999. And as always, you can follow us on Twitter at AE Podcast. Give us a follow, then head on over to Facebook.com forward slash Attitude Era Podcast. Give us a like. Check out all the goofs and gaffs there. We've got a folder now that is bulging with fan art. 
want to say a special thank you to everyone who has done fucking Seriously, fan art so yeah. far. So cool. Uh, also, Fizz vs. The World, Michael Scali, who's been doing the fucking title cards for this. These are awesome. Thank you so much. He did uh, SmackDown. He did King of the Ring. He's uh, done this one as well. Yeah. They're fucking awesome. So, yeah, if you guys got you know, fan art and that stuff, head over to the Facebook page. Check it out. Thank you again. Also, don't forget to check us out on Vine. You can find that through our Twitter account at AE Podcast, as Kevin said earlier. We've been updating that quite regularly, and you can find some more goofs and gaffs on there. Also, you can find us on YouTube.com slash AE Podcast. And as always, don't forget to check out Botchamania.com for our updates there. And also, head over to CallingSpots.com. Check out issue number seven of this amazing wrestling fan theme where we've got an article. And also, you can pre-order issue eight, which we should hopefully also be a part of. But that is going to do it for us now. That's goodbye from me, Kevin. Also, goodbye from Adam and Billy. And uh, goodbye from the microphone, which once again broke for the last two minutes. And we'll catch you next time on the Attitude Era podcast when we review SummerSlam 1999.